Hey, welcome to the 238th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. We're currently talking about 1987 Superman written and drawn by, drawn by John Byrne. I don't know what that sounded weird. Uh, th- th- this past week, last week's was a very strange crossover for like the third issue of a new series. And it was like chapter 17 in this big crossover. And it, there's no indication what issue had issue had part 16, what issue had part eight. It was kind of crazy, but that was the eighties, I guess. And <laughs> this next week will be probably a little better. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or eight. And that is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. I know I didn't say that part. I thought that sounded weird. Anyways, what is going on this week? So the the main movie feature, uh, kind of flipping a coin here, I'm probably going to go with um, the Adam Project as the main feature, co-feature. I also saw the movie X by by Ty West, directed by written written by Ty West. Also, it's a A twenty four movie. It's a horror movie. It, it's really good. I almost wasn't going to see the movie because I was just well, you'll you'll see why. But it's an A twenty four movie, and I did really enjoy it. The problem is, full disclosure, reason why I'm not putting that as like the full uh, feature because when I when I title these episodes, and I I really think that the the number of downloads per episodes it it's not consistent i'll i'll, I'll full disclosure I'll, I'll say that so i really think it depends on what is included and having x i mean do people have people even heard of this i hadn't heard of this up, up until like a week and a half ago and i i don't know how i never heard it. i know the trailer came out a while ago but i just totally miss, missed it so anyways so there you go and and then we'll have all the other shows my favorite show currently uh severance along with star trek picard i'm laughing because i saw a headline from one of those infamous websites i think it was i actually i don't remember which one it was something about something happens on this week's picard and then uh the flash will there be any leveling up this week there just might be and uh snowpiercer servant oh my goodness that's just yeah lots let's just get to it because there's like so much i want to talk about all right so as far as the news there was finally a trailer for Ms. Marvel. So it's coming out on June 8th on Disney Plus, and um, it, it looks good. It, it, you know, it, it could be have a lot of charm. Um, there's some interesting part, like beginning of the trailer, there's like a lot of, it almost seems like, does Kamala have like ADD? You know, she gets distracted a lot. You know, she's on about her fan fiction. and do, But there's like, like writing like stuff like popping up on screens like i think it would be cool if they did that throughout like just kind of like we're getting in kamala's head as she's like just thinking about different things and you know reality versus fantasy or you know anything like that i i think that could be good because you know lately we've been seeing quite a bit of um i mean not quite a bit but there's been a, a bit of like i don't want to say diversity but the, the differences between the, the the feels the vibes of the show so I, I think it'd be cool to, to see something a little 
not necessarily like dire diary of a wimpy kid, you know, not quite like that. But I think it could be interesting to just to, to totally mix, you know, flip the structure. Um, the other thing that looks like they're totally flipping is how she gets her powers. I, to me, what it looks like is her powers coming from these bracelets that she's putting on. Because if you've read the comic, you know, she is an inhuman. And, you know, the Terrigen Miss went all over and she was exposed and she went in a cocoon and then she had powers. And and it also looks like her, like, stretching, her embiggening power might be different, which that could be a good thing. Uh, I saw, a lot, I, I don't know if it was in a YouTube video i saw somewhere people were commenting how they changed her powers and they're probably like yeah they probably don't want her to have stretching powers because you know mr fantastic will be coming out soon fantastic four i don't think that's the case i think the the problem if if she has like stretching abilities how would that compensate for her clothes because with mr fantastic at fantastic four they have their costumes are made of unstable molecules so that's why his suit can stretch and why human torches can not go up in flames and etc cetera, etc cetera. so it would just be weird if all of a sudden you know first of all where does kamala get her costume you know she make i think she makes it herself because she's got those type of skills but then yeah it there, there's no way she'd have the skills to make stretching clothes unless it was like all made out of like yoga pants or spandex or whatever so I, that, that's fine i mean i we have to see like where do these bracelets come from and I, I saw some headline i didn't click on it or like possible connection between shang chi and ms marvel which i don't think so but you never know so so we we have that so i i'm excited for that uh the, the i think the comic was great um i love the fact that we have we're getting a muslim superhero and I know it's unfortunately is you know people are going to be angry or whatever because ugh, just just go away if you have a problem with it. Uh, I I think it's it's great. You know we I I want to see everyone represented. So I I think that's going to be real cool because and and it's it's been such a great comic. I mean if you go back read those like the the first series and first couple volumes or whatever. I mean just just really really good. So it's so much like I, I don't know if charm is the, the quite the word i'm looking for but i'm really excited for that so i i think it's, it's going to be good and and it looks like you know the the young actress playing her you know she seems to be excited and everything like that so i, I think it's going to be cool it'll, it'll be really good to see how this character is developed and everything um some obi-wan news a lot of people are talking about that there were supposed to be some darth maul scenes in obi-wan that, and they ended up cutting them i didn't read any specifics i don't know if there's a specific ex or you know an official explanation why they were cut. Um, I'm kind of okay with it. While you know it would be cool and everything, you know who doesn't want to see Obi Wan versus Darth Maul again? But I think part of the problem is the history, you know, has already been written between with these characters. You know, we we kind of know where Darth Maul is going. You know, th because of Rebels and and sort of like Solo, you know, we, we know where he's sort of headed. If all of a sudden there's going to be another confrontation, I'm trying to think because, you know, no Darth Maul had a, who was it, Darth Vader? Was there some interaction between them? No, I'm trying to, I, I need to go back and watch Rebels again. But I almost feel like they would be a little forced while we would all love it. You know, is it going to contradict, any, contradict anything that's already been established and it just 
you know, there's there's already so much happening. We're, we're seeing young Luke, and I, I we're probably going to see young Leia, and we're going to have Darth Vader, and we have Inquisitor. You know, I just think Darth Maul. I mean, if anything, give him his own series. You know, show us more like what he's doing with and Crimson Dawn and all that. So, I, I'm I'm okay with him not being there. As as cool as that would be, I mean, I'd love to see it, but I think it's already been established that they haven't. And if all of a sudden he knows that Obi Wan's still alive. I, I think that's too much. Not that he's going to run and tell Darth Vader or the Emperor. I don't know. Um, so with Moon Knight, you know, Moon Knight started on March 30th. Um, apparently, uh, reviewers have seen the first four episodes. And, and you know, I realize, <laughs> stupid me, I should be like reaching out to Disney. And, you know, because I probably still have some contacts from, you know, the, the olden days, not, not that old. But because of, my time and energy, you know, doing the day job where I feel like I, I should, I should have reached out. I don't, I don't know why I don't. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm dumb. I'm a dumb, dumb, but anyways, it seems that they've watched four episodes. Cause a lot, a lot of people are like, this is unprecedented, you know, cause apparently like Disney's only released, you know, one episode or t- maybe two episodes, you know, I've, I've had, you know, I've had access to screeners from other Disney plus stuff, just not Marvel studios, Disney plus. So, anyways, long story short, what I'm getting at is be careful because there could be spoilers out there. I really hope that anyone who watched it isn't going to post anything because that would be really, really poopy. It'd be really, really crappy if, if anyone spoiled anything because I don't want to be spoiled. And and I, I I hope they only drop one. I'm fine if they drop one episode. You know, drag it out. I don't want it to be over in like a blink of an eye. You know, I mean, look at look how successful Peacemaker was. You know, week by week, people were talking about it every week. And when you drop the Netflix shows or whatever, you know, when it's all at once, people will watch it, they'll talk about it, and then it's forgotten. Then they move on, like, okay, what's next? So just just do it one week at a time. And if you want to binge it, just wait till all of the episodes drop, then binge it to your heart's content. That's that's what I say. <laughs> um, Daredevil. Is there going to be a Daredevil series or reboot or whatever? So people have been talking about this, and, you know, people then rumors and secret sources saying this or that, which, you know, I'm sure there's been nothing confirmed. Obviously we, we assume, you know, at some point that's going to happen, but apparently production weekly, which is a Hollywood trade has been talking about it or, or listed and mentioned it. So they're not a press outlet. So it's not like, Oh, my source, you know, the, the dude that delivers coffee on a set of, or to the studio director heard this and is telling me, it's not like that. So this, if this is accurate, I mean, it could be a little more accurate. It could be misinformation, it could be a typo, or you know, it could be a goof. But it kind of seems like it, it would make sense if they're if they're going to do it. And now the fact that Disney is moved, you know, has moved the Netflix shows to Disney Plus and has gone through the effort to establish like parental controls. You know, they had to have some, you know, engineers build that into the system so it doesn't crash. So a kid doesn't accidentally get access to, you know, mature, you know, violent stuff. And then, you know, then the parents are flipping out over it because we already have groups of parents that are flipping out over it. The Disney's compromising their, their moral beliefs and stuff like that, whatever. So I'm all for it. And. Um, I, I saw, I think, I forget, I saw someone wrote an article. It's like, okay, the Batman shows that you can do a PG-13 violent movie because <laughs> that was pretty violent. So you could definitely do a PG-13 Daredevil. But it, again, if they're going to have a mature rating, they, if 
they want to do a mature Daredevil show on Disney Plus, they can. You know, because they got the parental controls. And so I, I trust they're going to do what they feel is best. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Resident Evil. I feel like you know, I've been talking. There's been so much Resident Evil in, in my, my life lately. Just with, uh, you know, on uh, the Secret Podcast. So as, as you may or may not know, I recently watched all the live action Resident Evil movies. Because I apparently had only seen the first one. I thought I had seen them all. I saw, or not all. I thought I'd seen at least two, but no, I only saw the first one, and I was like, uh, "That's it. I'm done." <laughs> so I watched them all, and it was a very interesting experience. So you can hear about those if you become a patron at the Rick Jones tier or higher. So, anyways, and then there's you know the recent movie, and and there's a, the Netflix anime or the CG show anime, whatever. So it's all good. I, I I'm a, I'm a sucker for Resident Evil. So there's gonna be new Resident Evil show. On Netflix live action it's gonna be eight one-hour episodes and um, what's interesting about this is it's taking place in 2036 so the official log line is 14 years after deadly virus caused a global apocalypse Jade Wesker you may know if that's may sound familiar fights for survival in a world overrun by the bloodthirsty infected and insane creature in this absolute carnage Jane is haunted by her past in New Raccoon City by her father's chilling connections to the Umbrella Corporation, but mostly by what happened to her sister, Billy. So Jade and Billy, who the heck are they? New characters, right? That's fine. I, I think it, it's good that they kind of veer away from uh, away from the games because the the game, the, the writers of the games, created, I mean, they know what they're doing. And I think by, I think that was one of the problems with the, the live action movies is they at first were like kind of doing their own thing. And then they were trying to pull in different characters and, and elements from the games. And it just, it just f- felt like a mess. I mean, it was just like all over inconsistent and everything. So I think it's good. 2036. Let's, let's push out a little bit. Let, let's kind of, you know, stand on our own, but having Albert Wesker involved, you know, you got that connection there. Uh, and what will make it a little, little, little int- more interesting. Who's playing Albert Wesker. This dude named Lance Reddick, you may have heard of him. So I think that's really cool. Uh, so this is going to be on July 14th. You'll be able to see that. So that that's exciting. Um, I, I hope it's it's going to be good. I mean, I, I can only can, can only hope. Speaking of the Batman earlier, it's apparently going to appear on HBO Max April 19th. I don't know if that's official or not. I, I saw one report that said that it accidentally flashed on a screen or, or somewhere and then the, then it was taken down. But I think that lines up with the 45-day window because someone else reported on it and it was like a more like official you know statement, it seemed like. So um, if you haven't seen if you were waiting to see it again, it's not not you know less than a month away. So there's that. But also, if you want to watch in theaters, you know, if you want to help the the box office, you can do that as well. I think, I think I saw that it might be make reaching the half a billion, the sort of five hundred million mark. It's like it hasn't made five hundred million yet. Maybe it's I don't know where it's at. So there's that. Um, Harley Quinn and Kite Man. So if you watch the, or if you watch the Harley Quinn show, there's going to be I, I think it's going to be a Poison Ivy and Kite Man spinoff. I don't know why I was thinking Harley Quinn and Kite Man. That doesn't make sense. So Poison Ivy Kite Man spinoff series is in development, which is weird considering how this, there was two seasons, right? 
it wasn't just one. It was, anyways, however, the, the last episode ended. So, but but that's fine. Uh, the man who fell to Earth. So somehow I haven't heard about this show. So obviously, you know, there was the original man who fell, fell to Earth and everything. So this is coming out in Showtime on April twenty fourth, and um, the the main so you know it's this alien that comes to Earth and. You know, he arrives at crucial point human evolution, you know, all this stuff like that. So he's the main character is going to be played by Ch- Chiwetel Ejiofor. I really don't think that's how it's said. Um, and Naomi Harris is in it also. But Bill Nye is also <laughs> going to be in it. Bill Nye, there's a, an original alien that came, and that's going to be Bill Nye. So I don't know if he's playing like the original David Bowie character. So I don't know, but uh, there, there. So there's a trailer that's out. The trailer is like like two and a half minutes long, so you can watch that. But there is also like a five minute preview that was released, which, uh, what's his, you know, Chiwetel is like on stage and giving this like big like TED talk thing, and there's all these people watching, and like I just don't know what it's about. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, and you know I don't know. Does like does did he just tell him, hey, I'm an alien, and and you know my planet was dying, and you know your planet's gonna be dying, and we got to fix things. I don't really know like the details, but I'm 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 kind of curious. So I might cover that on the show, and really what it comes down to is like what other shows are there? Like how many other shows? Because I sometimes I feel like I cover too much, but if like things kind of end. Because, you know, like with Servant coming to an end soon, or maybe by then Severance might be, you know, whatever. So, you know, Snowpiercer should be over by then. So if, if there's kind of like not a lot stacked up, then, you know, we can give it a shot. And if it's not worth it, then I don't continue. So that's the nice thing about, you know, I'm, I'm the boss of this podcast, so I can do what I want. But I, again, I'm open to suggestions. So if there's something you wanted to hear. Um, I, I definitely would be, be, I'd take it under consideration. Let's just say that. Umbrella Academy season three, that is has official date, June twenty second. So if you one been watching the, the show, you know there's a bit of time stuff that happened in the second season. Spoilers, and they come back to the present, and things are just kind of really different. And like there is no Umbrella Academy. It's like the Sparrows or something like that. So they're gonna have their hands full. So June 22nd, you'll be able to watch all those episodes on June 22nd. And then June 23rd, people will be like, what? What was it? Where are you talking about? This I, this has me excited. Irredeemable and Incorruptible. These are two comic series at Boom. This is like the early days of Boom, like when they first started. These are written by uh, Mark Wade And um, I forget oh, who does the art. Peter Krauss, I think, did. I, I could be wrong with that. I think Peter Krauss did Irredeemable. And Incorruptible, I, f- I forget. I know Dennis Claro did, and Marcio Takara, I know they did covers before for that. I don't know why that sticks in my head. But anyways, it sounds like they're combining the two into a single movie. That concerns me a little bit, because I was like, okay, are they going to make a series out of this? Maybe they're going to see how the movie does, and maybe they'll do more. So these were kind of like flip sides of, of the superhero genre. With the Irredeemable... There is this character called the Plutonian who's basically kind of like a Superman character and he just kind of kind of turns evil and just just like obliterates the sort of like Justice League team, you know, this team of superheroes. And he's just like in control of everything. And it's just like, what do you do if Superman turns evil? I mean, it's just like game over. And then with Incorruptible, there's this character Max Damage, who was this villain 
then he's kind of starts veering towards a little more of the good side or something like that. So it's really good stuff. You should definitely check those out. And uh, last bit of news, uh, which I don't really know what to make of this. Christopher Lloyd is going to be in Mandalorian season three. I was like, okay. And um, some people were like, I I hope it's not something forced. So I was like, what what did he like threatening his family? Like Christopher Lloyd, if you don't be on the Mandalorian, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna steal your your family's newspapers when it's delivered, or I don't know, or, or stunt casting. It's like he, I, was, I was like, you're too old. he's too old to do his own stunts. Oh, but I did see something that they're saying that it's like a, he's guest starring, or so it's it's probably just gonna be like one one episode maybe. And, and not like like a big long role or who knows but that's 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 great because christopher lloyd is awesome and uh, i look forward to it and uh hopefully he look forward to this being the end or look forward to the rest i don't know what i'm saying that's the end of the news all right with comic books at image there was uh there wasn't a whole lot of like uh was it marvel or anyways there seemed like there wasn't a whole lot of lot of, of comics this week which I hate to say it, but sometimes I'm like, whew, it's so bad. Anyways, uh, Silver Coin issue 10 came out. This issue was written and drawn by Michael Walsh. So Michael, this this has been a fantastic series. It's it's just dark and creepy, and and you know, I just love Michael Walsh's art. So you know, it's always been like someone writing each issue. Each, each issue is self-contained, something creepy. You know, there's always a coin involved, but but this one, um, it's just it's just kind of dark where this girl finds this coin and and here's someone like out in the woods and and yeah i don't want to spoil things it's just it's just kind of kind of bad but um <laughs> that's a horrible description but you should definitely be be checking it out because it's, it's just really good i think horror comics I, I i know i've said this so many times before but horror comics can be tricky and i i really think that the art you know the art can work but i really think like the colors can be tricky on a comic because sometimes it just looks too artificial but michael walsh's art is just it's it's perfect so it's it's great there was a new series at image called slumber so you know i i try to um catch the the new titles because you never know you know it's like any one of these series could be like skyrocketing into this like awesome thing and then for me it's like oh crap there's like five issues out and, and now you know i'm I've missed it, and then I got it. Can I, you know, track down those issues? Anyways, so Slumber is by Tyler Burton Smith and Vanessa Cardinali, and um, okay, what is Stetson is a nightmare hunter, a dream detective. She runs a shoddy back alley business where she helps clients sleep at night by entering their dreams and killing their nightmares. But Stetson's past comes back to haunt her when she tracks down a literal living nightmare, a serial killer that murders people in their sleep. I don't know. I mean, that's to me, that sounds really interesting. That that was the reason when I was like, okay, I'll, I'll check that out. So what's established, you know, obviously there's a technology for her to go in people's dreams or whatever, but you, you basically go and you're like, okay, I have this nightmare about this. She'll go in there and try to find it, track it down and kill it. And then it's, I, that's supposed to somehow deal with it. So you're not going to have the reoccurring nightmare about, um, flowers that are going to eat you or something. You know, that I'm, I'm, I don't want to use an example from, from the comics. I don't want to spoil anything, but something like that. But at the same time, there's a serial killer that 
something's been happening and people i think they call like the sleepwalker killer because these people are like they wake up and they're at a crime there's like they're at a murder scene like they killed someone and they're like i don't know what's going on i was sleeping i don't remember doing you know what i don't even know how i got here but there's been like different people and there's like really hasn't been a connection between the people it's like why are all these people doing this and they're like is this like some weird cult you know they are they, they rehearse this they're all saying the same thing and then there's these like symbols drawn usually on at the scene so this has to do with the more supernatural there's like something else going on here and um there's there's some cool stuff so i i really like it. i i think it's a it, it's a it's a good it's a cool premise and it, you know it kind of has that that weird you know they're they're establishing that the physics or whatever of this world and i i you know so that kind of gives them free reign to do what they want so i think that that's that's pretty cool then there is a stillwater escape this was a one shot and there's like some other people um writing it like chip sadarsky ethan young jason Liu, andrew wheeler um they they you know like chip sadarsky kind of did like sort of like the the in-between stories you know like kind of basically they're, they're sitting around and they're telling stories like who who managed to escape from Stillwater? did anyone and so you know we, we get some different stories about you know did anyone actually leave did they make it did they were they tracked down or anything like that so there's some some cool cool parts there um time before time issue 11 came out and no i'm still not caught up with that see that's just what happens to me where i i keep saying you know i have the issues but then they start stacking up and up and then it's like okay i need to dive into all these issues to get caught up and i just i can't so um hopefully you're reading it and you'll let me know how it is what's the furthest place from here issue five this um <laughs> I, I just love this the reason i'm laughing the the solicitor says appropriate size fifth issue <laughs> that's the thing with this series it's like the issues haven't have been like kind of different lengths and like the first one was it like triple size or something like that so there's this i don't even know how to describe this this comic you know go back and listen to other podcasts other episodes where i've talked about it so basically, you know, there's these group of kids. There's no adults. So, you know, it's like in the future, post-apocalypse, something happened. And there's just like kind of these different groups of kids that are like their little little gangs or families or whatever. And uh, they've, one of their, their own has gone missing. You know, they don't know what happened to her. She also happened to be pregnant. And I don't think they really know what being pregnant means. But there's also something like once you turn into adult, you can't be there. So it's like, where did adults go? What happens to them? Did someone kill them? Did they die? Did they? Is there something in the environment, the atmosphere that you know we don't know? There's still like so many unanswered questions. But throughout all this stuff going on, you know, they they left their territory and now they're at this like big carnival and there's like just different things happening. And um, it's just it's just really good good story. You know, Matthew Rosenberg, Tyler Boss, great story, great art you don't want to miss this you know just track down these issues get the trade when it comes out it's just really 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 good at dc comics there was batman superman world's finest issue one and it feels like i read this issue so long ago i mean i guess it's probably you know like cause i i did read it early uh, you know I'll, I'll admit that but it couldn't have been yeah, at the most a week ago but it, it just it feels like it was so so long ago um so I, i'm trying to think about what happened okay so this is uh the issue it's written by mark wade dan moore does the art and it it's like it, it takes place in the past you know it's it's not um 
current continuity, which to me is totally fine. Establish that, make that clear. And I always, I almost think, even though it, it kind of limits things, it, it also makes it clear that it's it's not tied down to anything currently happening. Because obviously, Superman is no longer on Earth. You know, right now, he's he's off on War World doing his whatever you want to call it. So there's it just. You know how I feel about this this classic error. You know, the red shorts, you know, he has the red shorts now again. But, you know, you got, I, I think, yeah, Lois doesn't even know, you know, the identity and everything. So there's just a, a lot of just really, really good stuff. So you have like Poison Ivy and Metropolis and then Metallo shows up. So, you know, you, you almost have like a flip with the villains. But then, you know, Batman and Robin are there. So it's just, it's, it's really good. I'm, I'm really excited for this. You know, some of the... It feels like sometimes when we get the Superman, Batman comics, you know, Batman, Superman, Superman, Batman, whatever, they they start out good, but then it just it just kind of feels like, oh, let's just put out an issue with these, you know, our our most popular characters, and it doesn't really feel like it really goes anywhere. But with this, what I like is it just it just feels you know partially nostalgia, but also it feels like there is a purpose to this, you know, and and. The purpose is to tell a really good and fun, you know, enjoyable story. So I'm 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 really happy for this. I I, I enjoyed that issue. Then there's Batman the Night issue three. I don't know why it feels like it's been more than three issues. I mean, have these been like oversized issues or something like that? So this is uh, the Chip Zdarsky book, and it's dealing with a young Bruce Wayne. So this is an era that we don't see too often you know because it's it's mainly been you know young bruce wayne and then he goes off and then it's like batman year one or year two or something like that so this is you know he's he's not batman yet you know he's he's still very very young um it's a 10 issue series which i didn't say that and you know carmine d gian domenico does the, does the, the art but it's it's cool to see Bruce Wayne with this training, you know, and again, we have seen some glimpses, you know, we know about Henry Ducard, which, you know, he, he appears in, in some of these issues and just you seeing him trying to become who he becomes. So I, I think that there's, there's a lot of room here because we've seen glimpses, but not an in depth, you know, Chip Zdarsky, he's, he's doing a great job. I mean, his, he's on fire with his writing. So I, I'm, I'm enjoying that. When I first heard about it, I'm like, really? It's like, do we, is this really necessary? But yes, it is. Blue and Gold issue seven comes came out. <laughs> what am I talking about? Um, and Jaime Reyes is here. So we have two two Beatles and a, and a booster. And um, you know, Jaime he got like abducted by some. He doesn't really know what's going on. And then is there part? You know, and we see, there is a reveal of who is is responsible which will probably come into play next issue. So I won't spoil it because it's a, a last page thing. But, uh, you know, they, they kind of bring it up. It's like, hey, you know, Blue, you want to join us? You know, we can have, who says, you know, nothing says we, we can't have more than one Blue Beetle. But he's kind of like, nah, but then I'll, I'll, you know, always be Blue Beetle Jr. around here, which I don't think that's necessarily the case. And, you know, when, when you look, I, I feel like they're different enough characters where, it would be okay because while Ted has may have experience and may have some like tech stuff, Jaime's like on a whole other level with his armor, you know, his space armor and and everything. So, 
whatever that that's fine i mean i i think it'd be be good to mix things up because you know i while i love booster and uh booster gold and blue beetle you know it could be interesting to add that new dynamic to it so it's not just the same thing that we've seen in the past you know it is still enjoyable but we'll see maybe he'll come back catwoman issue 41 i've actually been enjoying this catwoman lately so you know she's been working you know trying to you know, take down you know like black mask and some of the other families that are like doing bad things and you know they they're they killed a, a a dancer a woman and you know just try to make a point and everything like that and and she's not backing away and you know she's trying to you know do her thing she's has a little bit of help and this this dude i forget his name new 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 player in town he killed some people and she's like um like that's not really okay but you know he killed the people that killed the girls so it's kind of like well it's kind of justified in a way but uh and then you know black mask is just not happy and so things are are, are getting stickier detective comics 1020 or 1057 <laughs> this is a weekly series just blows me away it just keep keeps going and going so more with the tower you know so batman has has returned to gotham so he, you know he's he's unseen and you know, Scarecrow is trying to take over. Ugh, Scarecrow. It's like we had so much Scarecrow during. I don't even. I can't even think of it, the the arc. I don't even want to think about it. And just, you know, trying to take control of of the tower, regain control of the tower. And you know, Psycho Pirate is just like he's just like spent from trying to keep control of all the inmates and everything like that. And and the uh, mayor's wife is trapped in a tower with you know other hostages so it's like uh there's some interesting things that that happen here so you should check that out justice league 74 there's been this big this feels like this has been a weekly series but you know big big crossover with uh, justice league dark <laughs> and you know black adam was possessed there's god of chaos all this magical dark magic evil magic stuff happening and um you know the justice league and justice league dark have their hands full you know trying to stop this and you know what what can they do and um <laughs> basically what it kind of comes down to is uh if it wasn't for um naomi the justice league would have been toast because <laughs> she 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 leveled up i guess and um yeah i don't even under you know I, the, the funny thing is so I was, I was talking to a friend rich shout out and uh we're you know it's like he, I, I forget if he said or i said it but you know it's like i don't even know what naomi's powers are and and i think he might have said it. and i was like yeah i don't really either and you know i totally read her series and her appearances in young justice i if you were to ask me what exactly is her power like describe it like i i couldn't tell you she can she can fly right and she has like power blasts and you know she's not now i'm also is she's is she's not an is she an alien she's from an alternate dimension like a, a different earth i don't know but spoiler part of the thing was what um really levels her up is <laughs> there is mentioned because how like magic tends to like harm superman it, it you know takes him knocks him down it appears to amplify Naomi or something like that. So, yeah, she's she, it's like we don't even why we don't even need a Justice League. All we need is Naomi, and 
she can take out. Legion of Doom, she'll, she'll wipe them out. It'll be no problem. Nightwing issue 90. So, man, things are, are getting bad here. So, Blockbuster, I never really liked Blockbuster. Blockbuster is just this big, doofy villain, uh, you know, mob wannabe dude. And he's he put out a hit on Dick Grayson because Dick Grayson, you know, is coming to money and he's like, I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm going to help the people of Bloodhaven. I'm going to help the homeless and people in need. We're going to buy all this stuff and do, you know, things he's taking. He bought out land. I think that someone else had, I, you know, they wanted to, they wanted to, Use as like low income housing, basically demolish them and build like high rise, whatever you know, high expensive real estate. So, anyways, they're they're trying to kill him. Like when they they tried taking him out last issue, Teen Titans or the Titan, not Teen Titans, the Titans were there to help him and and stuff. So there's some some cool moments there. But then here they're they basically hired this a mythical assassin that they're I forget who it was, something like that. That they're they're not real. It's, you know, it's just an urban legend or something like that. But then this person is just like, okay, you want you want this character this this guy, this person taken out, gonna destroy his whole building, blow it up. Who cares about you know civilian casualties? So things kind of get messier there and um yeah. So this is such a good series. A refrigerator full of heads issue five i just kind of skimming through this and um uh, it's yeah i mean i like i said i i love basket full of heads i, th- I thought that was a great series and this even though there's connect you know the, the connection between the two is getting stronger it's just it's just i don't know there's something about it that's just not quite the same for me but who doesn't want to see a living decapitated shark head that's and i won't say what happened you know We've been seeing it throughout, you know, random issues, but, but something is done with the shark head, and it's it's so you basically you you get your head chopped off with this magical axe. Your the head's still alive, even though you have no body, which would suck. You know, one it, it would suck to get your head chopped off, but then to get your head chopped off and not die instantaneously or whatever from that, but to be spend I don't even know how long you would live. You know, it's just a chopped head because you know you don't you don't have to eat you know i don't how, i don't know how to physics i guess magic it just keeps it keeps you alive but for how long robin's issue five um i feel like i missed something here and i'm, I'm still not quite sure what's going on um there, there's a lot of stuff where something happened and and the robins were kind of living out these like kind of fantasy worlds like where almost like like what if you know things were different because like you know dick grayson was back in spy mode um damien was like living in like a monastery as a a monk or something and and jason todd was like a race car driver giving his money to who did he give his money to like a kid's home or something so yeah and then uh it's just like what's the deal with this one lady who said she was original robin or something so we have we don't find out yet flash 780 linda is you know she's kind of freaking out she's like you know where's wally where where's the kids what's going on and you know she's freaking out and everything like that and then they come back and um you know she discovers spoiler that she has speed you know she's she's like kind of looking around the neighborhood then she starts running and all of a sudden like her shoes start melting and so you know she's gonna gonna tell flash but then you know she she doesn't tell him right away because you know he's he's so busy 
there's going to be another big mess for Flash that he's going to have to deal with. Um, Because this there's tying into War for Earth three. So the Amanda Waller trying to recruit bad guys and everything like that. So you know Barry's barely or Barry Wally's barely home, and then there's an alert. It's breaking at the Flash Museum, and uh, Earth three Flash dude. He's trying to, to steal the the cosmic treadmill, and you know that can't be good. So Wally has to go there, and you know I'm sure there'll be more with that. Um, Titans United issue seven came out. I think this. I could be wrong. I think this was the last issue, and you know I I was okay with it when it started, but then you know it's just so much so heavy on you know the main story was about like Blackfire, her kind of controlling Connor and. You know him kind of becoming evil and it it just i was it just wasn't working for me so with this being over you know I, it kind of felt like it was this just a mini series and i i would have liked to have seen more and you know maybe we will get more you know be beyond you know the titans dealing with someone besides blackfire you're seeing this team together because there's something about having like jason todd on the Titans and, you know, like Jason, Todd and Connor just not getting along. So, you know, you got that tension. So I kind of, kind of enjoyed that, but we'll have to see if, if there's, if we get anything more after this at Marvel, there was amazing Spider-Man number 92 B E Y number 92 point Bay. (laughs) just sounds weird for beyond. And, uh, this doesn't really have much to do with Spider-Man because it's it's a, a point book. So we have Monica Rambo arriving and you know because she's been work you know she's worked with with uh, Misty and Colleen and uh, you know she arrives to deal with this monsters what do they even call this thing? But yeah, so you know she is familiar with Maxine from Beyond and she recruit or she finds someone else there which i don't know if it's a spoiler they so there's someone she's reunited with someone else and uh also michael morbius you know because they they freed him because he was being held captive by beyond they're using his like dna and like lizards to create this new creature it's just basically them fighting and the work it kind of leaves off it's like the the web slingers this what are they called the slingers where they're kind of under contract to work with maxine but it's like do they realize that she's really bad and it's weird i'm not really sure what what to think of her because you know they have this like this hero program you know they, they did all the stuff to level up you know Sp- ben Riley spider-man but they also have like a super villain division you know they just made um the the queen goblin and you know she's done a lot of bad things so it's like why are you playing both sides? You know, what, what's, what is your, your end game with this? Like, what are you trying to do? So I don't know. There's Avengers 54. So more on the, the, the fight with, uh, masters, the multiversal masters of evil, you know, a lot of, um, <laughs> it's spoiler. It's a lot of bad things where, you know, they saved the death lock, you know, like, Oh, we did all this stuff and everything like that. We got this death lock during a Quinjet. Then all of a sudden, phew, <laughs> the death lock gets shot so it's like wait maybe he didn't survive but then they're gonna try you know he's he's still sort of alive but he's not 
you know he's he's an inert so it's like can they save him you know they're trying to figure out what they can do we have like thor fighting a alternate universe thor who's like embraced the power of the phoenix and then we have you know thor and and echo you know because thor doesn't want anything to do with phoenix but you know echo's like like dude you know we we gotta work together and so yeah and uh it was uh, okay <laughs> oh and namor you know he's he's trying to help out and cap's like not mad because he's just like you know, yeah, She Hulk guilted you into helping us, but you're not an Avenger. You know, you you need to pay for your crimes and everything like that. So they're saying that they're going to lock him up, and then you know they'll use him when they need him or whatever. But he has to kind of redeem himself or answer for what he's done. And he's like, okay, it's like really, <laughs> that doesn't really make sense. There's a new Carnage comic, and uh, I just kind of skimmed through it. Um. I, I can't really even, I'm not even sure where this is going. It's weird because, you know, there's no, thank goodness, there's no Cletus Cassidy, you know, because he's, done, he, they, he should not be brought back. He is definitely donezo. Yeah, I don't really know what, what they're going to do with this. You know, there's like this police detective and, you know, trying to investigate like these killings and stuff like that. And I just don't like Carnage. I do not like Carnage one bit. Then there is, uh, what else was there? <laughs> There's Reckoning War Trial of the Watcher. This was a, this was kind of a weird issue. It's kind of interesting. So it's written by Dan Slott. Javier Rodriguez does the art, which is awesome. And, you know, Dan Slott is also writing the Fantastic Four. You know, so he's writing this Reckoning War. So, so this is kind of like a, kind of like a side, side issue. And basically, because it's a trial of the Watcher, you're like, dude, you've interfered so many times, you know. And he, because Uatu came to the other Watchers, he's like, the Reckoning, you know, they're they're here. You, basically, they have technology that we've given them eons ago, and now they're coming. They're threatening all the universe. We got to do something. But they're like, dude, you know, we don't do anything. We're not supposed to do anything. You've done stuff so many times. And he's like, yeah, but and. So then they basically force him to, they're like, you know, you didn't even have to do stuff. So they make him look at this world where he didn't interfere when Galactus came, when the Silver Surfer came. And, you know, because you, you see Nick Fury calls Reed Richards. He's like, hey, there's something coming. Uh, maybe you can check that out before I, you know, we send out, you know, our, our troops with, with nukes. And he's like, okay, yeah, I'll check it out. And, you know, so they did get warned, but reed kind of takes it lightly you know he doesn't prepare in advance for it and then you know things kind of go from there but you know things do still go along so it's just like you know he's forced to watch this and um so i'm not really sure where, where they're gonna go with this and because then the other watchers like you know yeah this you know we did give weapons or the technology to these people it's like should we do something they're like but we shouldn't so i don't know what, what they're gonna do and then uh the only other marvel was that i read was X lies the Wolverine issue five. Is that right? I feel like, I feel like there wasn't that many issues. There was Star Wars Halkian Legacy issue two, and I realized like I don't know if I read the first issue, um, but looking at the second issue, you see Aura Singh on the cover, but this also kind of takes place, I think, with the what what is this Jedi, this High Order? I don't remember what it, what it's called. Uh, there's the other Star Wars. Anyways, I I kind of was like skimmed through it and I wasn't really sure what's going on. So I think I need to read the first issue 
because it, it felt like it was taking place. But how old is Aura Singh? I don't think she was around in that era, but maybe she was. X Lives of Wolverine. So I think if I'm trying to, I think X Deaths of Wolverine is, is a series that I like better. So this is dealing with Omega Red, and um, I just I I don't know where this is going, like what what's happening here. So this is just not really been working for me like all these different versions of wolverine you know different eras of wolverine and just omega red jumping through time into different people and threatening them and i i just don't really know but uh yeah that was that was it which is weird because it 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 almost felt like it was a fifth week that like there wasn't that that much i guess there's more than a normal like fifth week but um that's it for marvel so that's gonna be it for comics this week all right, with Snowpiercer Season 3, Episode 8, setting itself right. So it starts off, Ruth brings Asha to the gardening train car, which is weird because she had that weird, that, you know, she, like, destroyed a plant or something like that in the beginning. So anyways, she's narrating about how green um, was the first color to disappear, you know, when, when the all the snow, ice, whatever came. She's, like, smells the plant and the dirts, and we see Ruth, like, later. Or it, this must have been before. This was, was a little confused at first because she's like knocking on her cabin and then, she, you know, she just kind of cracks open the door. She's like, I know you've been pinching things from the market. She's like, so let me in or I'll have to come back with the brakeman. So Ruth tells her, you know, that she's safe. She's basically, she's been like stockpiling things, you know, because she's worried about, you know, running out of whatever. So she's taking like food and stuff like that. But Asha talks about like when the marauders were attacking and then like, you know, people turning on each other. So, you know, she when she was at the the one place whatever you know she wanted to protect her nephew and then she said that she actually poisoned the others and then cancer ended up taking her nephew away so you know it was like it was almost like all for nothing then you know ruth says at the end of the all find her place you know on on, a, on snowpiercer you know they, they work as one train then um it cuts back to her gardening so then and she's narrating we see Leighton looking over like the new eden books because you know now he's second guessing his his visions and all that and then asha's talking about her grandma, you know, said that like when everything goes wrong, perhaps it's setting itself right. And then Leighton walks into the train car as she's like making some tea or something like that with some other people. So then he talks about her being there at the reactor when he had his vision. And, you know, he tells her that he went back there like in a dark corner of his mind. Now his faith in, in everything is gone. So he shows her picture to tree you know, from one of the books he saw, he's like, have you seen this before? And she recognizes, she's like, yes, it was a, a, a on a calendar in my wall. Then he's like, I, I must've made it all up. And she's like, Oh, you know, don't say that. And then Ruth comes in and she says that Ben and Alex want to talk to him. So you tell Leighton, you know, they go up in the engine part. They tell Leighton that they think Melanie is alive or someone is out there. So they talk about the switches moving and Alex explains that they operate on batteries. So, sometimes you know when they pass a look at the data so something's moving you know from switch to switch and it's kind of drawing power from them you know because it's like draining the powers or the batteries so it's kind of like they're following breadcrumbs and then it leads them to like the rocky mountains where they last saw melanie or something like that alex says that in theory she could have reached like a maintenance hanger on a track or something like that and got like a maintenance machine going or like a plow or something. The only problem is, is it's not designed to support life. So there's no water. There's It's barely the size of a broom closet. And Alex, Alex confesses that, you know, the only reason um, they know about this is because Wolford told her. So they're like, oh, 
So, you know, Till's like, you know, he must be messing with us. And Layton's like, oh, I'll go find out. So, you know, Wilford's in the library and Layton asks him, you know, why would you want Melanie back? And he says, self-preservation, you know, having another engineer would be good. And Layton says, yeah, but if she's dead, it'd crush, you know, the, the trained spirit and knock them off their course. And he, he says that, you know, he wouldn't do that to Alex because, you know, he supposedly cares about her since, you know, he helped raise her during the 10 years when or whatever, when, you know, they were separated or when she was separated from Melanie. So he says that, you know, and then he looks at Layton, he's like, oh, you don't look the same. He talks about a showdown that he heard about with, with Pike. And he's like, you know, by the look of you, it looks like you need Melanie more than ever. And, you know, he, he smiles and says, you know, not to act like there's a choice, whatever. Because he's like, you know, if, if she's out there, they need to find out. So there's an announcement. Ruth tells them that even though they're days from New Eden, they're detouring in case Engineer Cavill is out there. So in case Melanie's out there. So that then they're going to continue on the quest that she inspired. Alex and Ben look over the numbers and calculations. They say that there's a big chance that they'd find the track scaler empty. Alex says, you know, she's like, yeah, I know that. And she's like, Alex is like, there's also a chance that it could just be her body in there. So, you know, she's like taking this under consideration. So she's like, you know, that's my, my go-to. So she talks about her friend Carly, Roche's daughter, who just lost her mom. And, and you know, so she's like, you know, no matter what, she has to try. Because, you know, Car Carly's like, she could still be alive. So you need to, you know, follow through with this, I guess. Asha has some plants in her room, I guess. You know, she's doing some meditation. And there's like this electronic chirping in her closet. So she takes out this little device. I'm like, what the heck is this thing? You know, why does she have that there? So Leighton's sitting with his kid. He asks Zara, he's like, are we okay? And she's like, of course we are. And she's like, you know, we may have gone backwards in his thinking, you know, when, you know, he was out there looking for an older version of them or something like that. But she's like, you know, there's no shame in that. You know, she's like, we share one responsibility now. And so it almost seems like, because, you know, they got back together, but now it's almost like she's like, okay, we're not together, but we have a kid, so that's okay. Because, you know, I guess they were together, then he went to Josie, so it's just like, does he want to be with Zara or Josie? And she's kind of like, okay, I get it that, you know, you care about Josie. We have a, a, a daughter together. That's fine. So there's a like a frantic knock on the door, and it's Asha, and she has that device. So then in the engine room, she tells him it's an atmospheric CCA, and it's showing an increase in like sulfur dioxide or something like that. So Ben's like, well, our, our equipment is picking up on any airborne anomalies, and you know, she maintained that the air quality in the hangar when when you know she was there. So she's like, there's like hardened uh, oxide and stuff outside, so it'll like burn your lungs. And then Ben and Layton think that. Wolford purposely put them on this track knowing that like the at atmosphere is going to be toxic out there so then we see osweiler's blasting music and he's kind of dancing and making some drink concoction something with like chili peppers or whatever he got from asha lj comes in yelling and she's like did you didn't you hear the announcement and he's like you know we're gonna pick up melanie he's like yeah he's like if it's true that's great she's like no that's bad news she's like she's my arch nemesis she's like give me a break and you know she's like what will she do when she sees us running the night car and he's like she won't because we'll be getting off the train soon but you know she just doesn't want to believe that and you know he's like you need to accept this so then he's like putting pickles in jars and you know, he's preserving them and you know so she's kind of mad that he's not really focused on things or whatever he's dealing with his pickles so till goes through third and audrey wants to talk to her about the melanie news and audrey's like talks about how till said that you know she had to rock bottom hit rock bottom or whatever like that and there'd be like a great deal of shame 
for Melanie to see her like this. So, you know, that would, I guess that would kind of help her hit rock bottom or that would be part of the process. I don't know. Wolford um, is grabbed by some brakemen and Leighton. He's, he's brought to the engine room and he's like, Oh, Oh, snow piercer, old girl. Then he meets Asha. He's like, Oh, you must be our new, whatever. And then Leighton asks him if he has any idea what the red cloud in front of them is, you know, he's like looking out the window and he's, you know, gets a closer, like not too close, you know, they don't want him by the controls. So he says, he doesn't know what it is. He's like, it must be volcanic. And, you know, he says that he was that his train, you know, when they were separated, that he was there six months ago. And Alex like, yeah, it is volcanic. According to readings, Ben's says that it's settled into the Valley where they're headed. Um, Asha says, hydrogen sulfide is corrosive but wilford's like oh that won't be a problem for the train you know because part of the design was you know it would just like wash over it or something like that then asha or then he asks asha he's like you know what were you doing in the horn of africa and she says well i, I couldn't get on your train so you know he's trying to find out like what the deal is with her you know based on what what the story that leighton came up with ben calls out on the com it's a code yellow so all non-essential workers return to your quarters shelter in place so they're going to start entering the cloud now. Roche is clearing people out of the market. He tells Till to get going, you know, because she's not on duty now or whatever. And then uh, Till tells Audrey, because Audrey doesn't have any place to go. So she's like, you know, just come with me until I can figure out, you know, something for you. LJ's frantically knocking on the door to the doctor's office, a crazy doctor. And she wants to talk about Mr. Wolford. And you know, she says that she could be useful to Wolford or his supporters. And she asks, you know, the doc, she's like, doesn't it bother you that Melanie could be coming on a train? But then, you know, so the doc, to you know, she's like, well, why should I give you any information, whatever like that? But then she wants to take some blood from LJ, do like a test. She wants like a tissue sample or something like that. So she apparently wants to peel off like a patch of skin from her leg, kind of like slicing off a thing of cheese. And the doc's like, you know, if, if she wants in, whatever, like that's her price. And as she's doing it, LJ wants to be, you know, she doesn't want any painkillers or anything like that. And she seems like relish of pain because she's just such a freak. So cloud mist starts entering the train through the greenhouse car. So it's supposed to be sealed and everything, but it's starting to come in and up the plants like immediately start withering. So Sykes brings Javi to confront Wolford's dog who's in the cage. And, you know, he's like breathing heavily. So it turns out the dog's name is Jupiter. <laughs> I, I kept forgetting, like, what the heck is his dog's name? They must have said it. So Jupiter starts growling. And then she tells, she's like, no. And then she tells Javi to tell the dog, you know, whatever. And there's like more barking or anything. Like and he like jumps back. So he wasn't able to kind of confront his fear of the dog. Till and Audrey arrive in Till's room. Till calls the engine and Layton's, um, she talks to Alex and he tells Alex to, tell till that they're good stay safe so she can you know just hang out in her room then audrey's like do you have any board games and she's like no i hate them then till says she's like well i have you know some oranges or whatever she throws into her she, and she takes out some booze and audrey's like oh i'm on the wagon and he's like but i can make you something so it's like is she trying to get her drunk is she gonna try to do something because i don't trust audrey for anything so sykes and javier going through the cars checking levels and then she tries talking about what happened but you know he just he doesn't want to talk about it because he just never does ruth makes like a gin martini for her and asha it's like where the heck did it get this, like the good stuff ruth says that you know she heard that she has quite the green thumb and asha's like yeah it's coming back to me she's like a lot of things are coming back from like before the freeze in the engine um ben says the levels seem to be going back to normal then alex like oh then we don't need wilford you know 
there. So he's like, oh, come on. He's like, I never get out. Leighton's like, okay, Willie, field trip's over. So they're going to take him back. Roche goes to check on his daughter. They start talking about like missing mom. And he tells her how he gets through today. You know, he's like, as long as, as you know, Carly, as long as she's there, her mom is too. And she mentions how it's like, it's quiet. So he takes out this like little tape recorder and a cassette. He starts singing and they dance and everything like that. So it was a really, you know, touchy moment. So was, that was nice. Leighton checks on Zara. And, you know, she doesn't trust Wilford. You know, why would he be trying to steer them towards Melanie? And Leighton's like, you know, he was bored and he's just trying to stay relevant. But obviously, you know, Wilford's always up to something. Audrey thanks Till for letting her in. And she's like, you're not in. You know, she's just there temporarily. And then she's like, make me another drink. So then Audrey says that, you know, she's leaning too much on alcohol. You know, she's building a wall around her. And so she wants Till to do... Um, she, she wants to... She, she wants to do her meditating thing on Till, but Till's like, it's like, no, you know, she's like, I'm rotten, I'm cruel, you know, I'm bigoted and I'm violent. And she's like, I'm, I'm just, you know, good at my job, but that's it. And Audrey's like, you know, you've changed, you know, whatever. Then she's like, you know, look at the sun, see your, your eyes and a warmth in it and, you know, just let it in. And then she like hugs Till. So she's like trying to break down, trying to, at first I'm like, is she trying to manipulate her in some way? But I think she, it almost seems like, you know, she is trying to help her maybe. I don't know. Zara goes to talk to Wilford with Liana. And he's like, oh, she glows. And he's like, you both do. He's like, can I hold her? And she's like, uh, yeah, the last time I let someone hold her, it didn't go well. So that was when, like when Pike was holding her. So he finally convinces her. And, and he's like, oh, I've missed our little chats. Because, you know, they were on, on the train together. And then he's like, has Widow Headwood run any tests on her? So it's like the crazy doctor, I guess. And she's like, do you mean has she put her in a cold lock and he's talking about the, the baby since they did whatever genetic thing to her then she's like you know she's like i think i, I figured it out you know melanie everyone is is ex expecting a savior you know she's a wild card you know he thinks she'll be divisive he says that you know all he did was provide some facts for proof of life he's still claiming that you know he's not up to something but of course he's gonna claim that Sykes and Javi, they smell something. There's, they look, there's like elevated particles. So they're in a plant room and they see that the plants are withered, you know, to ruin. So they call the engine. Ben says it must be a scrubber. So they check and the scrubbers are completely corroded. So like there's like a leak from the outside or something like that. So if they don't stop this, it's going to spread throughout the train. Then Sykes starts choking and and Javi hears like the dog growling in his head. So he's like freezing. You know, he can't do anything, but then he's able to, to grab Sykes. He tries waking her up, does like CPR. You know, he dragged her like away a little bit. She's not breathing. Finally, she comes to. So more mist is entering the plant cars. It's like, and it's, it's going to start spreading to like poultry and agriculture. So this could be bad because, you know, that's like all their real food. Leighton and Asha get there in suits and Javi... Um, he says that the intake won't close, so they're going to have to do it manually. Ben directs them, like, where to look in, like, in, in the, the train car. So they, they open this thing, but they can't fit in the hatch with their suits. So Leighton says that, you know, he's like, I'm going to have to take off my suit. And Ben's like, no. He's like, you'll be dead in minutes. So then as they're kind of arguing about this, uh, Asha kind of knocks Leighton down from behind. And she starts taking her suits, her, her suit off. And she tells him to, you know, stay down. And, and then he's like, no, no. So she goes down this little hatch. Ben continues directing to Leighton, who's talking to Asha, telling her, like, what to do. She starts coughing. It's, like, hard to breathe. So she has to use a crowbar to force this intake thing closed. Alex reports that it's closed. The air will be reversing. But Asha's, like, starting to pass out. Leighton tells her to reach out to him. Then he, he yells, he's like, look at me. He's like, you know, whatever. It's like, we'll get back there and all stuff like that. She 
you know, she tells him to fight for the others. Like, you know, he didn't tell for her and whatever, or, and for her. And then he continues trying to, you know, to, to reach for, her. and then, you know, he, he starts describing new Eden, you know, the, the trees and the shrubs, you know, he could smell it in his vision, you know, like vanilla and pepper and air. It's like, you know, you could hear the breeze and, you know, there were bugs coming and he's like the sun. It's like, Ooh, Asha. he's like, you know, close your eyes, you know, turn towards the sun, you know, it heats your whole body, you know, deep down inside. And then she's dead. And he's like, Asha, you did it. And he crawls out uh, like the one area and he just like sits there. So it's just like, it seems so weird that, you know, they, they bring in this new character and, you know, now they're starting to show that, you know, she's good with plants, you know, she has these abilities and, you know, she knows about particles and, you know, if, uh, if it wasn't for her, you know, who knows if they would have survived, you know, they would have been able to, to track out, you know, yeah, they had sensors, but it just seems weird that they would kill her off right away. So I guess that's it for her. Uh, the crazy doctor tells LJ, she's like, oh, you know, we'll, we'll call you when it's ready or I'll call you when it's ready. Whatever. Then her, her contribution is appreciated. So I'm not really sure what she wants a tissue sample for, like what she's playing, but whatever. And then LJ hears a moaning and she's like, what's that? Whatever. And, and the doctor's like, oh, that's nothing. And just like kind of ushers her out. So then she goes to check whatever. And there's like a hand or something like that. And she's like, no, not yet. Your time will come. So... I don't know who that could be. I mean, that's can't be Melanie. I just didn't even think about that till now. It's like who I don't even know who I can't even keep track of like who's gone that could still be alive that could be crazy saved somehow. I I don't even know. So late in the still in the plant car holding Asha's helmet, Ruth comes in and said, you know, she made a decision, it was a brave one, and he, he said that she said they have to keep going. And Ruth, like, she's right. You know, we, we do. And then he says, New Eden Ruth. He's like, we're going to get there. So Audrey asks Till how she feels. And she's like, better. Thank you. And um, then the, the message comes on. So the shelter in place has been lifted. And Till says, you know, she just wants to sleep. And Audrey's like, I do too. So they're just like laying in the bunk and just like holding hands. So at first, uh, you know, from the preview, I was like, is there going to be some weird hookup here? Because, you know, she's so into... Wilford, but I don't think so. I still don't know what Audrey's up to. So then um, Audrey's looking at the map, and then there's like this beeping, and Ben's like, holy poop, it's her. And then you see this little train car on the track. I don't know. I, I As much as I want it to be her, I, I feel like it's not going to be her just yet. I can't imagine who or what else it could be, but I don't know. I guess we'll see. Because we're you know if we're at issue eight, there's what? 10 episodes in the scene. I don't even remember. But yeah, I feel like something else is going to happen. So we'll see. Okay, then The Flash Season 8, Episode 7, Lockdown. <sighs> so Chester has monitor duty. And then he he's like, oh, I'm getting hungry. So he has this, like, this pink Supergirl like, lunch bag with like a cape and everything like that. He's completely talking to himself. And then he's like, oh, I realized I was supposed to make egg salad this morning. Grandma, gra- Grandma's going to be epically mad. I just... The way he talks sometimes, he's like, and, and now I have nada for lunch. He's like, oh, but, you know, I'm entitled for a break. So I could go get a snack. You know, it'd only take, you know, a few minutes. Oh, but then that could be enough time for an alien invasion or something. It's just like, oh, my God. Then Allegra shows up. So she has chicken parm sandwich from someplace they talk about during a D&D game, whatever. Then things kind of get awkward. There's like, oh, you know, it could be good to go there for a date. Or, and they're like, oh, wait, what? Because they obviously like each other, but they cannot talk about it, which is just, I don't know. So then the alarm goes off. 
there's a mugging, there's a carjacking, and there's a holdup at Jitters. And he's like, they're all happening at the same time. And then Barry comes on a comm. He's like, oh, don't worry, I'm, I'm on it. And then he zips the mugger and the carjacker away, and we see some dude with, I don't even know where he It's like this big kind of like space rifle. He's, so he's at Jitters. He's ordering everything. He's like, oh, everything for the register and a triple shot latte with oat milk, not soy. It's like, oh my gosh, it's so stupid. Um, then Barry takes him to the CCPD. The, everyone like claps for him, and he like zips off. And one of the crooks like, I didn't do anything. He's like, I want a lawyer. He's like, and then the other one's like, yeah, me too. So then uh, Kristen Kramer, so she's a captain now. So she's not really happy. And then Barry comes down. He's like, oh, sorry, I'm late, whatever. And she's like, yeah, well, you know, it's going to be a long day, afternoon and night. You know, she says that, you know, she doesn't know what these guys did and flashes drops him off. And she, you know, she's like, well, how, how can I book them? You know, we're always playing catch up, you know, trying to figure out what happened and everything like that. And Barry's like, it's like, oh, you know, maybe if you had a, like a, a way to contact him, like a, a flash phone. And she's like, that's a horrible name. And he's like, mm. yeah, I think he kind of liked that idea. So she like cancel any plans. He's like, you know, we have a lot of work to do tonight. And he, then he says to him, you know, after she leaves and he's like, you're welcome. It's like, so what? He, he just wants praise and glory. It's like, that's just dumb. So then even though Barry's supposed to be working, he goes over to Joe's and he's like complaining about him cecile's there too and joe's like well you know kramer has a point and barry admits that yeah maybe he could do a better job communicating when he drops up the criminals and then he brings up how she you know talked about having a direct line to the flash and joe's like well you know i had a direct line when i was a captain and cecile's like so i did too when i was a da you know i could just you know if i had a question i can talk to you he's like yeah that's because your family and joe's like yeah but you know what 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 you know Kramer and I went, Kristen, what we went through, it's like, I'd trust her with my life. He's like, so, you know, maybe you can let her in a little more. And he's like, you know, maybe give her one of those alert apps that, you know, we all have on our phones. And he's really hesitant about that. He's like, yeah, I, I get it. You know, he's like, when I first got my speed, you know, I needed help from Caitlin and Cisco and the CCPD. But now, and then Cecile finishes, now you've leveled up. I'm like, here we go again. Uh, he's leveling up. He lo he's leveling up every issue or every episode. So he's like, well, you know, I can do other things like, you know, extra CSI work and, you know, help ease, ease the burden, right? And Joe's like, yeah, maybe. But, you know, I also think Kramer is asking for a line to the flash. You know, it's probably for a good reason. He's like, you know, just think about it before you do anything. So Chester P is talking to his party people, his audience on his latest live stream. It, it just seems, you know, he's live streaming from Inside Star Labs. It's like, there could be like, you know, secret stuff, whatever. So he's going to drop some knowledge on them for free, 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 free. <laughs> and the is in the background and, you know, because he has like some drone or he's doing something and she's doing like a model like, oh, look at this or whatever. And then Caitlin comes in upset. You know, she's looking at like her, I guess, Frost's like Insta Instagram page or something like that. And, you know, she's complaining while he's like, live streaming and she's like look at this you know they're like skydiving she's like this is dangerous and all this stuff like that and one person watching the live stream is like like oh her sister sounds cooler or whatever you know because he's like uh caitlin we're in the middle of a stream here and she reads a comment or something like that so allegra's you know so he ends the stream whatever but allegra's like you know he's like well you know you just need to not worry so much about about frost and you know it's like you're gonna be distracted tonight you have a date with marcus and allegra and she's like yeah and then she leaves and allegra and Chester talked about like, oh, you know, that, that they're going to this restaurant. She's like, that date sounds expensive, but, you know, it could be fun. 
and then they they awkwardly they're like oh they're talking about dating again they're like oh i gotta go do you know so they they take off and rather than talk about the possibility of dating since that's what they want to do but it's just like it's such a dumb subplot or whatever so Barry goes to Kramer. He has like three really thick files. He said he cross-checked everything, the 911 calls, witness statements, fingerprints, all this stuff, whatever. So that should help her wrap up the three cases. And she's like, oh, thanks. That's that's thoughtful. She's like, I just wish it was more than just a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. And he's like, you have more than enough you know, to process the three suspects. She's like, yeah, but what about the suspects flash drops off tomorrow or the next day? And he says, you know, with respect, this is how we've done things in, a, in for the past seven years since flash showed up he's like the system works and she's like yeah from your perspective in csi you know there are things that i need to worry about as captain and he's like well you know flash is just trying to help the city and she's like yeah he is but you know together we could do more to help humans and metahumans and then the elevator opens and there's just like round device on the floor it's like is this a bomb or something like that but then this like white cloud gas or something is released. Barry's just like watching, which this is so stupid. You know, supposedly for someone leveling up, he's just watching it. People around her like start, you know, falling to the floor. Kramer collapses and he catches her, you know, other officers, you know, fall. And then Barry finally does. It's like, okay, you see this and you have zero reaction to make a wind tornado and suck up all the gas or do, or just get out of the room. But he does do anything. So then um, the elevator opens. The next elevator, I guess, opens. And like seven guys come out wearing gas masks. And the main dude has a big gold chain. Time to get to work. And it's friggin' gold face. It's like, when was the last time we saw him? So all the officers, they're like, they're, they're sitting against the wall. They have meta dampening bracelets on. So Goldface mentions how he can control gold, the gold in her fillings, the 0.35 grams in her cell phone. And so it's like they can't call anyone. But if and if anyone comes, he has a couple of his thugs or whatever. They're in like police uniforms. Somehow they got like perfect out, you know, uniforms or whatever. Maybe they took them from somewhere. They'll be standing outside saying there's a gas leak. So, you know, no one can come in. So Kramer stands up to him. She's like, this is my precinct. She's like, if you have a problem, take it up with me. She's like, let my officers go. And he's like, oh, you know, I heard you, uh, I think on a podcast or something like that. And he figures that, you know, she wants to be a hero. He, so he knows she's a meta. And I, th- I think pretty sure that's what he said. But he, he's like, he, you know, maybe she's not the only one. So that's why he put the devices on. He's like, oh, that's not all it will do. And they get like this mannequin where they get it from. I don't know. And uh, he, he, they put it, there's a device on the mannequin. He hits his belt buckle and then it, it blows up. So I don't know how exactly his belt buckle works with this. You know, when there's so many officers all with with a, a a thing, he hits it and somehow maybe because there's gold in there and he's able to determine which somehow, yeah, he can pinpoint which one to blow up by just pushing one button or just pushing his belt buckle. I don't need there's not even a button on there. Then he sees Barry and he recognizes him. He's like, you're that rat that cost me to organ print. I don't even remember when they had this run and he, so he goes from like super angry, angry to big smile. Then he's like, oh, uh, but you know his, his girlfriend Amulet Black said that you know there's some rare and valuable things in the armory, and you know so he wants what's in there. And if anyone tries anything, Barry's like, we get the belt. So he recognized Barry, but he's like, oh, he was working undercover. I don't know what it was. I don't remember. I don't care. So Caitlin apologized to her date Marcus because they made a reservation because she actually made a reservation for next January. So she goofed up when she made the reservation for this expensive place. So they go to this bar. 
they sit at like a booth and then uh they hear music come on frosten and chillbane chillblane are doing karaoke so then she's like oh we should get out of here but then they see them so frost is like oh we should go on a double date whatever but uh caitlin isn't really keen on it kramer and uh barry talk about taking a precinct back barry's like you know the devices are really sensitive you know does she know what he might want in the armory and she's like if he gets what's in there it's it's going to get a lot worse so they're trying to you know they they break down the door they you know they melt it whatever or the laser cut their way in and he says that the so somehow his girlfriend's intel knows exactly which um cabinet to break into so they open up this cabinet they there's this case in there he opens it it's like a rifle case but it's like empty and you know there's like nothing in there so he tells this thug he's like go get kramer and the chemist too you know get barry of course because who cares about the other officers they're not important so they're supposed to be meta bullets uh these are and this is a meta gun that takes away their powers and she's like those bullets are only for the most dangerous metas she's like i die before giving them up and he's like well what about the chemist so he uses his gold chain as like a whip and he's like choking barry and he's like i'm gonna give you to the count of three and you know he starts counting barry's like i can help he's like the bullets have a trace of dark matter he's like i have a scanner in my lab that i can fine-tune to it or whatever like that and and kramer's like dude what are you what are you doing caitlin um starts you know there's sort of four of them are sitting together at, at the at the bar or restaurant she starts going off about about chill blaine and she says you know frost is acting like a dumb teen you know she's risking her life doing all this stuff and how chillblain already betrayed her once and you know he's going to do it again and everything like that so it's just like getting a little little awkward barry's slowly working on a scanner goldface says he's like he has to hurry because he has a buyer that wants the meta bullets or like that so if, if they don't get it to him he's going to walk and the deal is going to you know blow up so he has kramer brought in so he can like threaten barry to get him to work faster and Barry, then he's like, oh, it's ready. He's like, you know, just hit the button. So they they hit it. It sets off this like high-pitched noise. And, you know, they're like, oh, they're bent over. So Barry grabs a fire extinguisher and hits Goldface with it. Kramer hits the other guy. And then, you know, Barry gives her some earplugs and says that, you know, they need to leave. But it's like, why didn't they grab Goldface's belt buckle if he needs that to blow them up? You know, at least that would slow him down a bit. He says that, you know, she's the only one who can tell him where the bullets are because, you know, the, the other dude's like, you know, why don't we just blow everyone up? And but he's like, they, they can't just blow her up because they, they need Kramer because she's the only one that knows. And then you see this vents open. He's like, nobody hides from Goldface. Nobody. It's like, You're such a dork. Kramer and Barry, they end up in this other storeroom. So they have to find something they can use to get the cuffs off, you know, to try to see what, what, equi- what do they have in there. And then he notices that her stop blinking and he's like they're designed to stop the meta gene but her powers are constant fluctuation because she mimics the powers of of you know others nearby so she must have short-circuited it and he says that you know so she can mimic goldface's power now he'll never see it coming but she's like no she's like i can't she's like adamant she's like i can't do that she's like i'm not ready for that so she's like we just have to stick to the plan find a way to get the cuffs off caitlin um is trying to pay for her her bar tab because so chill blaine and and frost you know they got mad they're they're gonna leave but then chill being comes back to pay his his bar tab too they talk a bit like that and you know he's like he says that he, he does care about frost and you know he's saying how his family is dysfunctional and how caitlin kind of reminds him of like someone his 
sister aunt or someone i don't know so he's like you know me and frost are all in and then he says that he could tell that something's that she's holding back with marcus you know like she's hesitant that she doesn't you know she's not she's like almost like looking for excuses not to get close to him by their conversations like that and focusing on frost rather than her date and he's like you know it's okay to be scared or whatever and then he like leaves to kind of like let her pay for the, his bar tab Barry keeps pushing Kramer more about using her powers, and she's like, I can't control my powers. She talks about she ordered an iced coffee, and when she picked it up, she almost burned her hand because it turned out that the barista was a heat meta. And But he's like, well, you can learn. And Kramer's like, you know, I tried, and there's no one that can teach me. She's like, that's why... So he's like, so that's why you've been anxious about getting in touch with the Flash. He's like, you know, she wants him to train her. And he's like, why didn't you just say that earlier? And she's like, because it's it's hard for me to ask for help, and she says that when you know when she mimicked the other meta's abilities, it could have been more lethal. Lethal, you know, she could have killed someone without even realizing what was happening. Then Goldface comes on to intercom. So if she doesn't come out, he's going to start killing officers. Barry tries convincing her, says that you know that she's trained, you know, before she can you know do it. Let Goldface's powers flow all into her so she can control it. You know, she just has to distract him for 30 seconds so, you know, he can get the bracelet off. So Kramer shows up and then she takes in his power and then she pulls the chain and, and he's like, give me back my chain. And she's like, you want it? Take it from me. And he's like, why isn't your bracelet working? And she's like, it didn't match my outfit. And I'm just like, oh my God. So Barry's trying to pry the bracelet off, whatever. And he has a flashback. <laughs> no, no pun intended. <laughs> he has a flashback to Caitlin's like, wow you've really leveled up it's like i don't know why, why i have to say that so he's prying it off it it starts to blow up and so he's slow motion but really high speed running out of the storeroom as the entire storeroom is getting engulfed in flames the, it doesn't blow up his wrist so he, i guess yeah he got his wrist out of there and then uh so it, it goes off there's a you know boom whatever just causes kramer to kind of like lose her concentration and then Goldface figures like, oh, the chemist must be dead. And then Flash shows up, takes off everyone's bracelets, which, how did he take off their bracelets without blowing them? But he couldn't take off his. I don't know. Maybe he's speed powered? I don't know. And then Kramer's like, you know, then she's like, oh my God, Alan. Flash is like, oh no, no, he's okay. She's like, I got it. You know, I got him out just in time. You know, thanks to you. And Goldface's thugs are all tied up. So, done. So the bracelets are going to be taken for processing. Kramer tells Barry, oh, he's late again. He comes in and she says, you know, Flash left before she had a chance to thank him. But, you know, she can't thank Barry. She's like, I never would have been able to stand up the gold face if it wasn't for your advice. And he's like, oh, I just steered you in the right direction. He's like, but I have to ask, where are the meta bullets? And she's like, I had them transferred to Argus 35 weeks ago. And he's like, oh. So Caitlin's waiting in their apartment, you know, for Frost to come in. And she's like, oh, I just stopped by for a second. So Caitlin apologizes. You know, she said that she's afraid to go all in with Marcus because, you know, last time she did, she lost everything with, with you know, Ronnie. And she's afraid that, you know, Frost is going to go through the same thing and get hurt. Caitlin says that, you know, Mark taught her that if she's ever going to find it again, that, you know, she's just going to have to jump in. And she's like, Mark, you talked to him? Whatever. So Flash arrives in Kramer's office and she, she thanks him on behalf of the whole department. And he says, you know, thanks to her thinking, a lot of people's lives were saved. And he's like, you know, from now on, if you need me, you can call me. So he hands her like this little device thing. He's like, you know, if we're going to keep the city safe, we have to do it together. You know, and he's like, which is why I want to share something else with you. 
my true identity. So he's about to take off his mask, whatever. And she's like, Alan, I know it's you. And he taps this thing and his mask disappears, which is so, I hate how it does that. It's, no one has a regular mask. It's all magic nanotechnology that just disappears. And he's like, how'd you, how'd you find out? And she's like, we found a charred bracelet in the storeroom. But it's like, wasn't the whole place like engulfed in flames? Like, how would she know? And if it exploded, wouldn't it be just a little more than just charred? I guess not. So she's like, there's only one way you could escape a bomb exploding on your wrist. Super speed. Then he says, he's like, oh, Joe was right all along. You are a great cop. And he's like, you know, I'd be happy to train you to be a better meta. And they shake hands. So then Iris had dinner with Joe while all this was going down. And you know, she goes, uh, she's going to pack up some food, you know, food, some leftovers for Barry. And she's going to give herself a little more because Joe's going to go check on the kid, you know, his, his other kid. And then, you know, as she's going to scoop some, her fork disappears. And then she looked at the table, like all the food's gone. And then Joe walks in with like this case folder box. And she's like, weren't you just upstairs? He's like, yeah. And then I was in a garage because you asked me to get the old Scarpola case. I don't know who Scarpola is. And he's like, remember? And she's like, oh yeah, I must've just checked out for a second. Then he's like, oh, that's, that's called food coma, whatever. And she's like, okay, and then when he like he kind of turns his back and then her eyes glow green for a bit so somehow she lost time and has no idea what happened because she's leveling up <laughs> and that's the end of the episode so i i don't know does, does iris need powers where are they going with this i don't know and wouldn't i mean wouldn't nora and bart know about it i mean are, are they just like biting their tongues not to spoil anything I don't know, I guess we'll we'll see. Okay, then with Servant season three, episode nine, commitment. So they're they're still watching the news where the, the Isabel was shot on you know broadcasting uh the news, the just the whatever shootout situation, shooter situation. Leanne asked Dorothy if she's all right, and she's like, What was that, Leanne? And you know, sort of talking like she's like, I thought you'd understand. And Dorothy's like, A colleague of mine was killed and you you seem pleased. And Leanne's like, Isabel wanted to hurt you. She was never going to stop trying to hurt you. So, you know, Leanne's like, I just wanted to help. And she's like, help, help how? Leanne pauses and she's like, sorry. And Dorothy, like, she she goes back in the house and her dad and her girlfriend are leaving. She's like, you're leaving already? He's like, yeah, Crystal's not feeling well or whatever, you know, after seeing that. And then, you know, he says that they'll talk about her nanny situation this week and she should get some rest now. So Leanne's out in the back patio. She covers up the camera with like her sweater or something like that. And then Julian comes out and she's like, where are your drugs? And he's like, what? Cause you know, she wants them. And you know, she's trying to look, find, see if he has any other stash there. And then she's like, take off your pants. And he's like, now? And she's like, everyone's asleep. So they start going at it on the little couch, patio couch, whatever. And then the sweater like falls off and Dorothy's like actually watching on the camera, which is really gross. Cause that's her brother. It doesn't even matter. You don't don't spy on people. It's not not okay. In the morning, Sean made like this really like fancy fancy breakfast little thing, whatever. I think there's he said there's like caviar and I don't know what else was in there. And she's like, oh, I'm just gonna have coffee. And then uh, he has he makes some coffee because you know she's says to sit at the table. She just sits at the the island. You know she's she's getting a mug, but he hands her like her coffee that he made for her. So she just takes it, and you know she sits at the island, and then he moves a plate over to her. 
And then, you know, she's just like drinking coffee. And it's like, while she's drinking coffee, like Jericho's kind of reaching for it. He's like, why don't you let me hold Jericho? And she's like, oh, he's better with me, which is just like, ugh. Then he's like, can we talk? And she's like, about what? He's like, last night. And she's like, what is there to say? So, you know, she's on her phone too, like while she's doing it. He's trying to get her full attention. He's like, what is it going to take for you to stop icing me out? And she looks at him. You know exactly what. You made it very clear where you stand. And he's he says... I'm with you always. And then she actually sits at the island and he's like, or she asks him, she's like, are you working today? He's like, yeah, you know, doing some judging thing. He's like, I'll be back late. He's like, I can reschedule. She's like, no, no, no. She's like, God, no. She's like, working TV is no joke. You know, you got to take advantage of it while you can, whatever. And then he, you know, she's on her phone. So he's, and he's like, what are you doing? She's like reading. So he's like, what are you reading? And she sighs. He's like, you know, just let me hold Jericho while you're, you know, eating or showering. He's like, I'm right here. And she like shoves the plate aside. She's like, I can't eat this. And she gets up and it's just like, Ugh. so she, she goes and she takes like a cereal and, you know, pours herself a bowl. And he's like, don't eat that crap. And then she's just about to start eating. He's like, you're not going to use milk. And then she grimaces and she's like grunts his sink and spits it out. They're like maggots in the cereal. And she's like, I felt one move in my mouth. It's like how they got in the cereal. I don't know, but that's really gross. So Leanne is like weird because she's wearing like yoga pants and running shoes. I guess she's going out since she always normally wears like frumpy dresses or whatever. So And Dorothy's like creepily watching her from like the stairs. And then she goes upstairs and she sees her on the camera meet like uh, the, the one kid, the one dude kid. And then she looks out the window. She sees a camp at the park and she goes in Leanne's room. She puts a baby monitor like in a dollhouse in there and then she starts searching her drawers, like probably looking for the sketchbook and she can't find anything there. She looks under the bed and she finds it. She starts taking pictures of the sketches and she also finds her Bible and there's like, I think she she turns a page where it has Sean's name where she did that thing at the, in, like the first season. She did like some prayer against Sean or something like that. And then there's like a, a sketch that's that's torn out or something like that so she finds it i think it was in the bible it's like a drawing of leanne whipping her back and then she hears someone coming up the stairs so leanne's back but unfortunately dorothy makes it out of the room just in time and it's when dorothy enters because her door is kind of open so she's like what so she goes in there dorothy comes at her from the hallway behind her and she's like oh did you have a nice run it's like how long was she gone and she's like oh you know i want to give you something else to wear or whatever so they're in Dorothy's closet and she has like this backless dress on. It's probably so she can see the scars on her back. And then she's like, how did you get those? And Leanne looks down and she's like, I used to punish myself. And she's like, we were supposed to be perfect. You know, no wicked thoughts, no selflessness, only service to him. And Dorothy, she's like, she claims, she's like, I don't want to see, you know, you hurting yourself. And she's like, I just wanted to help with Isabel. And Dorothy's like, she says, she just wants to understand what, Leanne believes and Leanne looks at her and says that you know she's like you don't have to worry she's like I don't hurt myself anymore and she's like I don't follow their rules you know I get to decide now and then she's like Dorothy's like oh look how cute you look let me get a picture with my girl it's like oh my god are you serious and so she takes out a camera like take a selfie and she starts taking a, you know, a bunch of pictures but she's clearly trying to take a picture to include the reflection in the mirror of Leanne's back so Dorothy goes into her, her room and, and and turns on the baby monitor so she can try to listen on Leanne. She tries calling her dad, leaves a message. You know, she call me as soon as you get this message. Right away, she calls him again, nothing. And she's like, sent a text and she's like sitting there. She fall, fell asleep because she wakes up 
And she looks, and there's a bunch of texts and calls and whatever. So it's like 2 a.m. She calls her dad. He's like, Dorothy, it's 2 a.m., whatever. He's like, I tried calling all night. She's like, yeah, I know. And then she hears, like, uh, footsteps or something, you know, something up in the attic. And she's like, are you still friends with, you know, Mackenzie, this doctor dude, whatever? Because she wants him to, to come by the house to interview Leanne, and then they can sign the petition to get her committed. He's like, are you serious about that? And she's like, you know, I've done my research. She presents a clean or clear and present danger to herself and to others. She's clinically insane. She cannot distinguish fantasy from reality. She's highly manipulative. She self-mutilates. And she says, you know, she's not sure if it's a chemical imbalance or some cult brainwashing, but whatever it is, she's got to go. And so she's like, I'm going to send you the photos. Uh, you know, if you can make the appointment, she's like, I can talk Leanne into doing it. Then she looks on her phone and, you know, she hangs up on her dad, you know, doesn't even say anything. There's like a bunch of pictures on her that, you know, that she took. So Dorothy's sitting out back within a tiny, you know, with a tiny inflatable pool for Jericho. And then she's just talking to Leanne about how she and Sean did couples therapy before. And she mentions how, you know, it takes a while to recover from child, like the, the childhood that Leanne had. And she's like, you know, have you ever talked to anyone about it? And Leanne's like, like, ah, yeah, I don't know. She's like, I don't know if I want things to change or whatever. And Dorothy's like, you know, what if you and I do it together? And she's like, you know, I've been thinking about us. And I really, you know, want to understand you so we can be close again. So Leanne's like, okay. Dorothy's waiting in a room and she has a phone in her hand. And she's waiting for her dad to call her back. And she hears a noise and she, you know, goes out in the hall. It's, it's like late now. And, you know, she goes downstairs and, and she's like pacing with Jericho. She's singing, you know, like, uh, what's that? Mama's going to buy you a mockingbird. Hush my, hush little baby. Don't you, you know, that, that whole thing. And then, uh, then, you know, we see Leanne is like just standing there, kind of like watching her, like out of nowhere. It's like, <laughs> what's going on? The next day, maybe it's the next day, the doctor arrives. So they, they go into the office and she brings Leanne in and she's like, I think the doctor wants to you know start out talking to us individually. And Leanne's like, I thought we were doing this together. And Dorothy's like, oh, this way, you know, you can talk freely about yourself and, and about me. So Dorothy goes into Leanne's room to get the baby monitor. And then Julian walks in and she's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, I'm tidying up. It's like, why would she be tidying up Leanne's room? So, so, and then he's like, oh, is Sean around? And she's like, he's at work. He's like, maybe you're here to see Leanne, huh? She's like, it's like all just like snotty, like in his face. So she closes the door and she hits him. She's like, I asked you for the most basic kind of loyalty. So it's like, here we go again. It's all about her. She's like, stop effing the, the woman who's ruining my life in my own house on my patio. And Julian's like, I don't know how to stop. And he tells Dorothy, he's like, you don't understand who she is. And she's like, I know her better than anyone. And Julian's like, you know, I think it's best for everyone if you could just find a way to make peace with Leanne. And she's like, why are you both afraid of her? She's like, what's wrong with, with you? And he's like, you know, just let me talk to her. And she smugly says, well, you can't. She's in the office talking to Dr. Dale McKenzie. And he's like, dad's friend, that a-hole? And he rushes out of the bedroom and he, or he calls him a poop hole, a hole, whatever. So he's like, I can't believe you'd go to dad with this. And then she gets in his face. He's like, if you ever want me to trust you again, you let me do this my way. And it's just like, Ugh. so he's like, fine. He's like, do it your way. But this is a big mistake. So then he goes out back and he tries calling Sean. And he like leaves a message. He's like, you know, it's, it's a raining poop. He's like, you need to get here. So Dorothy's like standing outside the office door trying to listen. And then Leanne walks out and Dorothy's there. She kind of chuckles. She's like, oh, it's like, I you know, I thought you'd be finishing up. She's like, how was it? And Leanne's like, it was good. She's like, I think it's your turn. 
So Dorothy says to Mackenzie, she's like, I don't know how you, you dealt with all this, but she doesn't seem defensive or threatened in any way. So she's just like standing here. She has Jericho still in like the baby Bjorn carrier thing. And she's just kind of like rocking back and forth. He's like, do you want to set him down? And she's like, no, he's fine. Then she asks if, if he has everything he needs. He's like, yeah, you know, I got your notes and pictures from your dad. He's like, I just need a little bit more background if you don't mind. And she's like, no, I don't mind. And she's like, she's like, I don't know if Leanne told you the things, you know, that she told me, you know, and the delusions. And she says that, you know, she's like, I'm frightened what she might do next. Sean and Julian just don't get it. You know, they continue to enable her pathology. You know, she's completely manipulated them. You know, she's like a little worm. It gets under your skin. And Jericho starts, like, fussing because she's just getting agitated. It's like, it eats all the way to your heart. Jericho's, like, crying. And then she's like, it's so nice to have someone who finally listened to me. So Leanne sees Julian out back, and he apologizes about the guy. She's like, it's okay. And then um, Snake, the, the homeless girl, she's there, and she has a bloody shirt. She's like it's milo's you know it was out front it's like we can't find him anywhere which is weird because i think leanne met with milo before like the day before so i'm not really sure what that's about or like what would have happened to him dorothy and the doc come down the stairs so they reach the door and then the doorbell rings so her dad's there and he looks at the doc he's like it's like oh should we have a little chat and she's like dad what why you didn't have to come and so she's like, well, there might be some coffee in the kitchen. So the doc says to Dorothy that her father has expressed his concern to him about the volatile situation in his house. So his primary concern is keeping um, his grandson safe. Leanne isn't the person that he was sent there to evaluate today. And she glares at him. She's like, come again? He's like, we're concerned about you, about your well-being. And she's like, dad? And then Sean walks in in he says that you know julian called he's like what's going on and dad's like you know she's not sleeping she won't let anyone touch the baby the doc says the condition she's in is simply not safe for her or jericho and sean's like hold on a minute and frank's like he's like you know let him continue so the doc's like she seems to have developed a paranoid fixation on a young woman who lives with her and she says that or she's like she she mutilates herself she took my baby and then julian comes in and he's like listening and she yells and points at him she's like you tell him tell him tell him the truth she's unwell and then the dad tells her he's like listen to yourself he's like you're falling apart and she hisses julian's right poop hole and she you know calls the doctor that and she's like she turns her dad she's like and you i trusted you to do the right thing for once god she's so deluded like everything and he says that he's like, all he wants is for her to go someplace where she can rest. Julie and Sean are kind of outraged. Like, what are you talking about? And a doc says that, you know, he legal, legally has to report any situation where a child is in danger. And a dad says that, you know, he asked Dale not to go through the court on this. But if Dorothy's not going to accept treatment, then he says to Sean, it's like, it's for her own good. And he's like, we all know what happened before. You handle it your way. Now I'm handling it mine. So this is when she accidentally left jericho in the car and he died and then she's just like flipped out so sean tells he's like oh shut up he's like dorothy's under a lot of strains and then leanne comes down the stairs and she's like sean's right he's like you know we can all support dorothy's recovery right here at home he's like separating her and jericho would just be cruel for both of them she's like dorothy is an amazing mom and she's like she's what holds this family together she's like what are you talking about <laughs> she's like she's taught me so much and jericho's is not any danger and Dorothy has no problem letting me hold him. Do you? And Dorothy's just sitting there like like frozen. And she's like, remember when we were all playing in the backyard yesterday? She's like, should we show him? And Dorothy's just like not moving. So Leanne like unhooks a carrier and she takes Jericho. You can see it's kind of tough. 
for Dorothy. And then Julian's like, I can move into the house full time and, you know, I won't let anything happen or we won't let anything happen. And Doc's like, if you understand the commitment that you're making, you know, watching Dorothy, letting her get some rest, you know, he's like, if, if you understand this, I'm okay with it. So then Dorothy quietly whispers, thank you. So Doc's going to write her prescription for trazodone, which I guess is for depression. And he has a sample pack until she gets a fill. So he's, he, he wants her to take one right now and it'll help her get, get some sleep. So she quietly, you know, puts the pill in her mouth. It's like, did she swallow? I guess she swallowed it, but you know, I wouldn't trust that. Sean kind of guides her away. And then you hear Leanne, you know, she's still holding Jericho and she starts singing, hush little baby. And so, you know, Dorothy was singing it before. And Dorothy, like, she just like darts off in the bathroom. And, you know, she's like listening to the singing. She just kind of crumples to the floor. And then, and she still has a carrier on and she kind of like hooks it back up and she's just like hugging herself. So she is cuckoo cuckoo for cocoa puffs man oh man dorothy is just she's just oh, she's too much it's just oh i can't stand her but she's kind of funny in a way and but that's kind of mean then with severance season one episode five have i mentioned i really like this show so episode five is the grim bar- barbarity of optics and design so the, uh, oh man, remember what happened last last episode with Helly trying to choke her or hang herself? So the elevator goes up and then Audi Helly like comes to and she's like choking and she's trying to get like a foothold on something to stop herself from hanging. And then uh you know Mark walks down the hall, the elevator opens uh, upstairs, there's no one at the desk. And then Mark arrives at the department area and he asks Dylan's like, Oh, did Helly leave? And, you know, Dylan was reading Rickon's book and he get it that uh, Mark has and his keeps in his drawer. So, he, you know, he kind of like hides it. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, she left. So Mark goes to the elevator and then Grainer's like running. So Mark, the elevator opens and Helly's still in there just hanging. So Mark grabs her in the elevator. He's like, help. And Grainer like comes, runs up. He unhooks the cord and then Grainer yells at Mark. He's like, go, go get in the elevator, you know. And so Helly is still semi-conscious. So she's just not dead. So Mark arrives on the ground floor, um, and then the dude from at the desk arrives. So he must have been in a bathroom or something like that. And he's like, he says good goodbye to, or good night to Mark. So now Mark has no idea what what's going on. He sees her hanging, gets in the elevator, and then he has no idea. So the next day, Mark arrives at work, goes in the elevator, and then when the door opens, he's kind of like in panic mode. Milchek and Cobell are in a waiting area by the elevator, and Mark's like, "Is she alive?" And Cobell's like, "Have a seat." So they say she's in the hospital. She has severe bruising, but no serious damage. Mark asks if they're it's like, sorry, you letting her go now? And Cobell says that her Audi has no intention of quitting. He's like, she almost died. And, you know, she doesn't want to be here. And Cobell's like, she'll be back at her desk in a few days. And he asks, he's like, is that enough time? Cobell says, this happened on your watch, Mark S. He's like, and you can thank Kier himself that it went the way it did. Have a productive day. And she just walks away. And Milchek gets up and he leaves without saying anything. So it's just like, this is serious. And they're like, not even going to do anything about it. So at his desk, Mark pulls out the, the book from his drawer. He hides it in his coat and he goes in the bathroom and, and he reads. It's weird because, you know, when they found a book, it's like, did they complete, who left it in the conference room for one thing? And it's like, no one notices that it's gone. So days, I think days go by and he's reading more and more, you know, it is you that must change or is it the system or whatever all this you know mumbo jumbo stuff that rickon wrote 
Greenier tells Cobell that he ran a full diagnostic check on Petey's chip. So full synaptic coupling. So Peter Kilmer's memory was reintegrated. So she was right. And he's like, you know, we should celebrate. And she's like, she says that he figures that she'll wait before telling the board, especially because of what happened with Helly R. But it looks like um, she hasn't told him yet. And she tells him to comb the chip data for source signatures, you know, find out who did this. She wants to deliver everything to the board at once, which is a bunch of bull. She probably just is afraid to tell him. So Audi, Audi Mark gets out of the elevator and he sees that he has several texts or messages from Rickon. So Devin, his sister, is four centimeters, so the baby's officially coming. So they're headed to the birthing retreat place. He arrives and he runs into the midwife lady that he went on a date with. It's a little awkward. And then he so he goes inside. Rickon mentions that um, he's hurt. You know, Mark hasn't said anything about the book. You know, it's been five days. And Mark's like, what, what are you talking about? He's like, I haven't seen it. And he's like, I left it on your door. He's like, well, someone must have stolen it. And he's like, oh, and it was a early copy too. Oh no, it means it's out. But then at one point he's like, but no, if someone stole it, I'm, I'm kind of glad if, if they can, you know, gain, learn something from it or whatever. He tells Devin that he thinks Lumen might be up to something. You know, he's been hearing things and she asks, you know, who have you been talking to? And he, he mentions like, remember that, that businessman that was outside, but then her contractions kick in. So he can't really talk anymore. So later he's sitting on a pier. Uh, Petey's phone is getting a call from his house, like in, in the box. It's getting a call from Blocked. And, you know, he, he thinks about Petey collapsing outside the gas station. So, you know, he's just remembering, like, what was the last time he saw him, how he just died or whatever. In the office, the next day, Milchek talks to Mark about seeing Heli. You know, her Audi woke up in the elevator. So this is the first time that she's seeing him or whatever. So he wants Mark to look at her with kind eyes. Then she's on the floor in the elevator, like in the corner. Mark crouches down. He's like, oh, you're okay. It's all right. It, I guess, I wonder if she, you know, she doesn't know how much time has passed. So maybe she was unconscious the whole time in the hospital. So maybe she just thinks she hung herself and now she's in the elevator. So he's sitting with her and he's like, you know, they've locked away all the extension cords and other dangerous items. So, you know, you should be safe. And he says that, you know, if she wants to focus on finding happy numbers for a bit, she can. She actually kind of like laughs at that. Then he whispers, she's like, do you want to talk about it? And she stares at him for a few seconds and she just gets up and walks away. So Irv, Irving talks to Dylan that they should hide inspirational handbook quotes around the office for her to stumble upon. Dylan shakes his head and he's like, she just needs to start earning perks, dude. He's like, I'd end my life. I didn't have any finger traps yet. Then he says, he's, you know, maybe one, one of them should lend her one of their traps until she has her own and you know mark sneaks his book out of the drawer dylan continues like but you know not me though because uh, i already contributed ideas you know he doesn't want to give any of his fingers traps which is <laughs> just i don't i don't get the fascination with them uh mark doesn't realize that uh miss casey came up right behind him and you know she says she's there to observe heli r so i don't think she saw the book but like she almost did uh, Mark's like, oh, no one told me. And Miss Casey's like, it was Miss Cobell's orders. So she's to watch her for signs of sadness and to verbally encourage her to forego further suicide attempts. So upon request, she can also perform a hug. Dylan stands up. He's like, uh, I've been uh, exhibiting signs of sadness. Could I get one of those? You know, a hug. And she's like, no. Helly sits at a computer and, you know, she kind of like pulls like an eyelash off or whatever. And Miss Casey writes, something down in a notepad oh this at this episode i realized miss casey is 
Jiang 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 is as Sky's mom from Agents of Shield and from Dow House. I forget the actress's name. I told him because her hair is different. I whatever. So um, <laughs> Helly pulls out like an eyelash, and then Miss Casey writes something in her notepad, and Helly like looks at her. She's like, "Did you get all that?" And she's like, "But I'm just peachy." And Miss Casey mentions like, "You can request a hug if you'd like." And Helly's like, "I'm good." So Irv's staring at the numbers, and then they they get a little blurry, and then some black glob falls on his hands, and then more some like starts dripping down from the ceiling. So he's he's falling asleep again. Something's going on here, and then more and more start raining down. Mark rolls his chair back, and he he turns his head, and like black ooze is coming out of what like his left eye, and then he says Irving's name, and he like jumps out of his chair. He sees like the lights in the ceilings are normal. Mark's like, oh, did we lose you again there? And Irv's like, I have to go to O&D. He's like, something's come up. He's like, and I'd like to see you seek Bert's counsel. And he's like, he's like, I'm, Mark's like, okay, fine. Just make a copy of the map in case we need to go find you. So Irv photocopies the, the back of the optics business card, whatever. Um, and then two big like reproductions of this painting come out. It's like the office. It's an office massacre. There's a guy with like a bloody knife. Another person like eating someone's heart. So two departments are fighting because you can see kind of like different badges on them, like like a red and green. I forgot the colors. And then he turns around and Milchek's there. He's like, "Oh, sorry." He's like, "We must have sent that print job here by mistake." He's like, "You weren't supposed to see that." And Irv's like, "What are these?" And Milchek kind of thinks for a second. He's like, "Nothing. A joke for Miss Cobell." And Irv's like, it's the O&D coop, isn't it? He's like, the one Dylan talks about. He's like, did that actually happen? And Milchek whispers, he's like, of course not. He's like, nothing like that could happen here. But then somehow Irv was able to keep a picture. So I don't know, maybe he only gave one. He's looking at it with Dylan in the supply closet. Dylan's like, that's proof of the attack. Irv's like, why would one department attack the other? And he's like, with seven of them, they, they could do a lot more. So I guess that room that, that Irv kind of, popped in that was optic and design the one all those people in that room that was like what what's going on there so there's seven people and bert said there's only two but there's really seven irv says that he could ask and Dylan's like your new friend who lied to you about the size of the department he's like what else did he lie about so milchek runs into cobell and she's like you ran a 266 on irving b and he's like yeah just now and she's like huh milchek says that he thought it might dissuade him from spending so much time with bert g and then he's like, sorry, should I have consulted you? And she's like, no, no, good initiative. And he says that he saw Miss Casey down there. He's like, you're having her watch Helly R? I am. May I ask why? And she's like, the light of discovery shines truer upon a virgin meadow than a beaten path. And then she's like, I'm trying something new with Miss Casey. She's like, keep it between us. So Helly's in a bathroom. And then she washes like the, the makeup, the cover up off her neck that's like hiding her bruising. When she comes out, Miss Casey says, Helly R, please describe to me your time in the restroom. And Mark sees this and then like purposely spills coffee or like water or something on her notebook. And Miss Casey tells Helly to come with her to supply distribution so she can get a new notebook. And and Mark's like, Oh no, that's okay. She's like, I can watch her while you know you're gone. It's only a few minutes, right? And she's like, Distribution supplies eight minutes round trip. So then she goes. Dylan says, he's like, uh, I go there all the time. He's like, you know, I could. And she just keeps, you know, he's like, want to go with her, but she keeps walking past him. Helly says, like, that's one less horrible thing for eight minutes anyways. Then he's like, Helly, I just realized I haven't shown you where the extra pen caps are. He's like, it's not far. Do you mind? And she's like, 
I'm good, thanks. And then he's like, you're right, we shouldn't go anywhere without Miss Casey. And his eyes kind of go to, go wide. So she gets up and Dylan's like, careful out there, boss. Weird en energy about. So Miss Casey's walking down the hall and there's, there's she has like a, like a dozen notepads. Bert is in the, the glass conference room, like having a conversation with himself. She walks by him, then she like kind of stops, turns back, looks at him, and see like, and then she just keeps going. So Mark and Helly are walking, and she's like, "So where are all these pen caps at?" And he turns to her, he's like, "How are you doing, Helly?" And she's like, "Did you make up that pen caps, you know, to ask me that?" And he's like, "I just wanted to talk." And she's like, "I'm really bad, Mark." She's like, "Thanks for noticing." Then he tells her, you know, to go down this different hall. She's like, "Let's go, let's go over here." So they enter this other big office area and there's like plastic sheets on the floor and like this work desks are covered with plastic. And he shows her this like folded piece of paper. It's like Petey's map. Um, since she's been gone, he's been trying to recreate it on his lunch break. And he thought that maybe they could work on it together. They could. And she's shrugged. She's like, I'm not your new Petey. And she gives it back and she just like walks out. Miss Casey returns to work area and she calls out to Helly R. And Irv's like, Mark took her to look at pen caps. And she's like, Where? And it's like, now? And Dylan's like, oh, they're fine. And Irv's like, it's at the end of the hall, whatever. And she starts going, and then she's, she stops, and she's like, Bert G's in the conference room. So Irv goes in the conference room, and Bert's still there, but he's like, what are you doing here? And Bert says that he got turned around, he was looking for Irv, because he hadn't heard from him, and Dylan shows up from behind him. He, like, pulls Irv out forcibly, and he, like, locks the door he's like i think he uses his belt to like tie up the door and he's like what are you doing and dylan's like he was coming at you and Irv's like let him out so you know but the, the doors the door handles are tied with his, his belt and then he's like where are your friends you know plural as in the six flipping friends that you've been hiding from us Irv's like stammers and then he's like i need a manager and bert yells he's like don't don't go and, and dylan's like i know what you're up to and then you know he he's like open the door, Irv. He's like he waves at a security camera. You know Irving's like you know asking for a manager. Helly keeps walking down these dark hallways, and Mark's like calling after her. So like the the lights in the section kind of turn off on and then turn off as soon as they pass. So then she's like, where the flip are we? Then she says to Mark, she's like, I told her I wanted out, and she told me I wasn't a person. My own self told me that. And Mark's like, yeah, that's that's horrible but don't focus on, on on her she's like what do you want in here and she's like you know what i want is for her to wake up while the life drains out of her and for her to know it was me who did it then there's this like unknown like blaring noise and they both look like and then they hear it again so it's like what the heck was that bert tells dylan to let him explain and irv comes back and he's he says that you know he searched the whole wing there's no sign of mark or heli Dylan says that O&D probably killed him already. And Irv asks Bert if he's seen his manager and their new hire. And he's like, no. Irv says that he came to see him. But, you know, if, if he, if he, why is he in a conference room? You know, why didn't he go back to the office? And Bert says that he didn't know why he hadn't been back. And he didn't want to scare him again. Like with the hand thing. And Irv's like, you didn't scare me. And Bert says, or embarrass you. He's like, look, I was working out a joke, uh, you know, for when I came in. And Dylan's like, prove it. And Bert kind of chuckles. He's like, well, I haven't worked it out yet. And Irv tries whispering to him. He's like, why did you lie about the people working, the number of people working in your department? And he's like, because we don't trust you guys. And Dylan's like, you? He's like, the king of flips don't trust us? 
And Bert says that he's like, I do. And he's like, you know, people just talk about MDR, you know, stupid old stories, you know, jokes even. And Irv's like, what do they say? And Bert's like, oh, it's, it's literally silly. Like, like you all have pouches. And he's like, pouches? Like the carrot young? And Bert's like, according to some, you each have a larval offspring that will jump out and attack if we get too close. Some say that the, the larval actually consumes and replaces them, which would explain Earth's useful energy. And he kind of chuckles. Irv like smiles and kind of looks silent, bashfully. Dylan calls Irv to the side. He's like, are you sweet on this guy? And Irv's like, you disapprove? And he's like, I do. I do disapprove. It's, it's because you know, he's O and D. You know, he's like, it's not safe. Mark and Helly are, are walking towards the blaring. He's like, is it a baby? Is it? it turns out it's a baby goat. And it's so friggin' cute. They enter this room and there's a dude in like suit with like an apron on. He has like a, a little baby goat in his lap. He's feeding it with a bottle. There's some other, there's like some hay on the side of the room and there's like little goats hanging on top of it and, and there's others around him. And he's like, they're not ready. You can't take them yet. And he's like, they're not ready. It isn't time. And he's like, get the heck out of here. So then um, back at, you know, talking about the, the grim barbarity of optics and design. And Bert's like, there definitely isn't a painting by that name. And, you know, Bert's hands, they're walking down the hall. Bert's hands are tied behind his, his back with the belt. Bert asks, he's like, what kind of barbarity? And Irv's like, it doesn't matter. He's like, but, you know, he'll have to confer with my, with his larva, of course. So they both laugh. Bert says, you know, sorry, you have to do this. And Irv says, you know, anyways, relationships beyond the platonic are frowned upon. Bert asks, is that what we are? And Dylan, like, clears his throat. Irv says that he's like, I hereby release you from MDR's custody. So Bert asks, he's like, do you want to come in? to Because they're at O&D. He's like, there's, you know, something in a storeroom I'd like to show you. And Dylan, of course. So then there's like the courtship of Kier and Imogen. So he's stirring this big molten vat of something, and she's like looking at him. Bert says that he met his wife while a, he was a stew man in an ether factory. She was a swab girl. And as they stare at the painting, Dylan's like looking around he, in other, other areas. He opens a cabinet. He just happens to find a barbarity one. So um, Irv and Bert's hands uh, start touching, and then Dylan st storms in. Get away from him, you lying flip. Then Irv's like, you know, because he, he found a painting. And then Irv's like, it's not the same. He's like, look at the badges the Raiders are wearing. That's not O&D, Dylan. That's us. But he's, he, he, Bert says that he's like, oh, that one never, it's never gone into hallway rotation. It's called a macro data refinement calamity. And Dylan's like, we've never done anything like that. It's like, why the heck would there be two versions of the same painting? So, which is interesting, huh? Helly and Mark so are walking through darkened halls and she's like what if the goats are the numbers like we're deciding which goats live and which one oh god and mark's like i doubt that's it and he stops he's like i know you don't want to be here but i'm glad you are and i'm sorry that this is the best i can do right now and she's she says that if he gives her the map she'll clean it up she's like you're drawing his poop and then footsteps approach and it's miss casey and mark's like oh hi we we're just walking back from our mental health walk and she's like you're you're both unhurt and Helly's like we are and she says that she's glad because she was scared and he's like sorry and she's like i forgive you then starts walking so they're, they're both being watched on camera by cobell greener knocks on her door she flips the, the monitor off and he asks if if she's aware what mdr is up to and she coley says 
I thought that's what you were paid for. And he's like, you're not stopping it? And the surest way to tame a prisoner is to let him believe he's free. Grainer's like, there's a cure quote for everything. And he's like, how many more departments are you going to let them find? And she's like, she says she'll have a, a word with Mark. Grainer's like, I'd be careful. He's like, upstairs wouldn't be happy with this. And she's like, yes, daddy. Then you can talk to me when you figure out who hacked Kilmer's chip. Bert brings Irv and Dylan into the big room. And he's like, excuse me, everyone. I want to introduce you all to Irving and Dylan. They're from MDR and they're my friends. And everyone in this, you know, everyone else from Opting Designs, they're just like looking and it's a little tense. And that's where it ends. So what's with the freaking coats? They were so cute, but I don't know. Like, we don't know what they're doing, what's going on. And, you know, who who hacked the chip? What's Who's trying to call Petey? They must not know what happened to him. So, and again, so now I want to go watch the next episode that I'll talk about next week. But you should be watching this. All right, with Star Trek Picard, I almost forgot the name, Star Trek Picard, Season 2, Episode 3, Assimilation. So things are looking pretty bad. So uh, Seven, President Seven, her husband in this alternate reality now, or not alternate reality, alternate timeline, her husband and his two guards, whatever, order everyone to throw down her phasers that are on, on real ship, he complains about what Elnor did to security team. And then finally, seven steps forward. How dare you? You are interrupting a classified operation. He's not like too impressed. He said that so he said something like he had his doubts about her or whatever. Agnes is out of sight and she's still working on trying to hook up the board queen to, to Rio's ship. Then uh, the husband, I don't, I don't even know what the dude's name is. I didn't even bother to pay attention. But he's like, tell me, what, what's my full name? And she can't answer it. So then he like backhands her, which is like, that's not okay. So Rafi gets mad. There's a struggle. Seven ends up getting his gun. Others are struggling, everything like that. And then, I don't know, they, they hardcore phasers, man. I don't remember this so much in Star Trek. And my Star Trek expertise isn't vast. I mean, I've watched most of, you know what I've, I'm not going to go through. But um, <laughs> the other two get shot and vaporized. It's usually it's like the phasers are set to stunner or something. So the other two, they just like disintegrate. Then um, the husband, he's about to shoot seven or something like that, but Rafi shoots him and he vaporizes. So then they, they check on, uh, or they, they check on Eleanor, they take him to sick bay, and uh, they're trying to get out of there because the ship's being chased and fired upon. Now, what I think I mentioned this last week, but what's interesting is the way to handle it. So, yeah, they're in this alternate timeline. But they're just like, whatever. And they're just like, because like Eleanor, like, ma- not massacred, but he he was brutal with, with the security team. And while they may be in this alternate timeline where things are more of like a dictatorship or whatever, they're just doing their jobs. And like, you know, and then he just like brutally kills him. So then um, Agnes gets knocked back, you know, because the ship's like rocking all over, thing, you know, and they got shields on, they're getting hit. When she comes to, like, the board queen is loose, and she kind of freaks out a little bit, and because and she's like on the ground or thing, then she's like, allow me, and she like hooks herself up, and, you know, she's, so she's like kind of floating, hooked up to some things, and she calculates the threats, so she has access to the ship, and she like fires. So Reels is in the command center, whatever chair, he's like, on a bridge, he's like, I no longer have command of the ship. And the queen's like, she says that they have to move backwards to move forward. The past is now, blah, 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 all this stuff like that. So they go faster and faster. They go towards the sun. Their warp is increasing. 
it just seems like is it this easy is it really this easy to time travel and to pinpoint like where to go because they're going to end up going warp 9.5 i don't know if they went any faster and and i again with my star trek knowledge while i've watched a bunch of episodes i don't know you know what what what's the is nine warp 9.5 how fast is that it's like crazy so they they exit this like warp wormhole thing whatever and they're like looking around there's no moon colony there's no radioactive like fallout so you know they're earth on you know 21st century so somehow they managed to get i don't even know how close they were i guess they were by earth and it was probably the sun that they were going around but then how could they control how could they calculate to how i just don't understand they get caught in Earth's gravita- um, gravitational pull, whatever, so they can't really stop the ship. Shields are down. They're going to crash or anything like that. So they're like, well, you we can't crash in you know, Los Angeles, whatever. But then Picard decides to steer them home. So I don't know if they're going to crash like through a field, like uh, a vineyard or something like that. So, so they, they end up like laugh, landing. They seem okay. Primary reserve power is draining. So Rafi yells that they need power in the sick bay. The queen is is out and and she's must be pulling power to sustain herself. So Rios just wants to shoot her, but Picard's like, no, we need her alive. So they manage to divert some power to set some things up. So Elnor, he's he's asked to see his his pendant, his medallion thing, or something like that, because he says it gives him comfort. Um, but then here's where I, I I swear I watched this like like three times. I kept like you know rewinding it. Because so you know Rafi's with him, she hands it to him, but or she's about to hand it to him, but then I don't know if she dropped it or if it disappears, and then Rafi like sobs over his body. So here's the other thing: while I've I've watched a good majority of Star Trek: Next Generation, I thought maybe I, I watched most of them. I, I really don't know because, and I don't remember a lot of like details, anything like this. So I don't know like if Rafi was, I guess Elnor was on the show, right, as a kid. And again, full disclosure, I'm not not claiming to be a Star Trek expert at all. So I, I get the impression that Elnor was there, Picard had visit him, you know, the, the whole reading the Three Musketeers book or whatever, you know, that, that stuff. And I don't know what Rafi's connection to Elnor is because she is like, the way she, you know, she is so upset over his death here that it's it's almost like was he like her adoptive son but i literally like just a few minutes ago i i paused and i looked up her, her wiki page there's like no mention of elnor whatsoever on her page and i mean unless i just missed i just did, did a quick like page search and and his name was there i don't know if, if there's more of a connection that i'm just oblivious of but anyways so so she is a. Uh, She's just like crying, which, which I mean, it sucks because, you know, he was he was a good kid. You know, he showed a lot of promise and everything like that. So Picard watches as uh, Rafi puts Elnor's body in this like big drawer. He says that if they fail there, then they fail Elnor and everyone in, in their home world. So despite it's against all their instincts, they have to move on. They have to amend the timeline. And then they seven interrupts and sh- she's like, you should have let uh, Reels kill the queen and picard says that the queen is the only known link that they have with the fissure in time so they're helpless until she comes around rafi's like pissed off and he tells her he's like i know what you feel she's like you don't know and she's like what i'm feeling is intense sharp disappointment in leadership it's like okay give me a break so you're blaming this on picard 
that's just uh, and then she's like okay let's put aside the fact that we saved the board queen over elnor but why has history changed because of q for decades you played games with whatever q is you joust you screw around with people's lives for sports and he's like no rafi that's what he does so it's like it's not picard's fault and she and yeah she's upset and everything but she man, she's got to apologize because this is just just ridiculous. And then he mentions that the queen said that there was someone who could help them, and this time in Los Angeles, and that she called this individual a watcher. So if they fix things, will it bring Elner back? And Agnes is like, because you know, Rafi's asking, Agnes is like, well, it's hard, it's hard to be sure since we are we're now existing outside of time. So then Rafi gets up, gets in her face, and she asks again. If we fix time, does it bring Elner back? It's like, dude, she just answered your question. She said she wasn't sure. So Rafi's like, I'm just not, I'm not going to just sit around and wait for that thing, you know, the, the board queen. So she's like, if there's someone who can help, it must be an alien species with tech doesn't, that doesn't belong here. So we can probably track it. And Rios is like, maybe it doesn't want to be found. And Rafi's like, I don't care much. So it's like, okay, here's this thing that maybe it's just minding its own business, but because you're upset about someone that you know, and again, I have no idea what your connection is to Elnor, you're upset, so you're intrude. You're coming back into the past. You're messing with the timeline. You're, who knows what else you're risking just because you're, you're upset that, that someone was, was killed. Okay. So she's like, I'm, I'm coming for it. So Picard's like, after she leaves, Picard's like, she's too emotional, you know. And Seven's like, well, I'll go with her. And Real's like, I'll go too. And Agnes warms and he's like, you can't take that, you know, his like sidearm, his gun or whatever. She's like, you're, we're 400 years in the past. If you lose that, Q won't be the only thing breaking the timeline. So she's like, you know, no phasers, you know, don't draw any attention to yourself. No hospitals, no security checkpoints, anything that can scan you. If it finds the ID implants and the vaccination chips from a future doesn't exist yet, you know, it's, it's like, it's, it's going to mess things up. Picard says that he and Agnes will try to revive the queen because she's the only one that can tell them why they need to watch her and where to watch her might be. So Agnes says the queen is trying to talk but can't speak. And Picard said that when, when he was part of the Borg, that they rarely like physically spoke, but they could send thoughts. So Agnes is like, well, you know, she's like, I can enter her mind to restore her. And Picard's like, it's like, you can't or, you know, or something like that because he can't do it. Because the, the queen knows him and would assimilate him right away. So Agnes is like, well, I can do it, whatever. She's like, the queen is only operating at 8%, so she wouldn't be able to assimilate me. And Picard's like, no. He's like, he's not going to do that. So they barely have power to, to teleport them. So they're going to have to arrive separately. Rafi's like, well, we're going right away. And they're like, dude, slow down. And she's like, I did some digging. She's like, I want to go to the highest tower, like the Mark Ridge Tower in Los Angeles, send out a signal to find any alien signatures. So they look through like the wardrobe to find, you know, some sort of outfits that would work in this time period. And uh, Seven even, she kind of takes a moment to like look at her face because she still just doesn't have the implants in her face. So Agnes goes to Picard again and she's like, it would just be a partial simulation and, you know, Picard can watch over blah 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 stuff so finally he's like all right so picard plugs agnes in and then like she like freezes right away and then he's like monitoring the report the repair progress on the queen so it's like you know slowly going up rafi materializes in the alley like between like two like trucks or something like that um this girl sees seven materialize in a park and she's like are you a superhero 
And she's like, can you keep a secret? I am. Uh, okay. So it's like in the future, do they even talk about superheroes? You know, is, is that, so do they have stories? That if, if they, I guess if they have three musketeers, I don't know. Um, but then Rios, of course, he materializes kind of like above the ground, like maybe on the second floor, like a, a, just in the air. And as he falls, he tries like catching onto like a fire escape, but then kind of flips and he just falls on a, on a pavement. And then some guy finds him, brings him to this medical center that must be close by. And real, so he's kind of dazed and everything like that. And he's like, no hospitals, whatever. And as they're moving him into like the exam room, of course, he drops his transponder, you know, thing, his communicator. And then some stupid kid picks it up. Oh, what's this? I'm going to keep this. Never mind the fact you, dude, you kid, you saw him drop it. You saw they walk by and he dropped it and you're just going to keep it. So you're friggin' stealing it. <laughs> there's more so i'll get to it in a second so rafi sees like this homeless encampment so some dude comes up to her he's like give me your wallet and at first she's like what and she's like oh you know she gets it he wants his money she ends up knocking him out takes his gun like t- takes the bullets out whatever and just throws him away and then, then she takes the money out of his wallet and seven walks up she's like really he's like you're making friends and she's like well he started it <laughs> and so they're just like look at this place you know it's like it's no wonder that you know civilization collapsed on earth or whatever picard is like talking to agnes and you know she can feel like the queen like peering in and you know she's, she's about to get assimilated so picard wants to stop the progress but agnes is like no she's like you know it's going to be a battle you know who who's or so they, they start arguing she's like no I'm, I'm ready but then it's like is a queen taking control of agnes and telling him to stop or is agnes telling him to stop seven and rafi are trying to contact rios but he's not responding they, they can't get his signal because i guess this maybe this thing's turned off i don't know so they head to the tower they go up rafi's once says they need to go higher so they can amplify the device more. Then this security guard comes up to him. He's like, hey, you can't be here. It's not open to the public. Seven comes up to the story saying like Rafi's her girlfriend and they want to take a cellular picture because they're engaged now. And, you know, Rafi's trying to, it's just a picture, you know, just photograph her. So they're like, we were here before years ago and, you know, not years ago, but we were here before and there's a big guy, uh, Kevin, he let us up. And he's like, oh yeah, I know Kevin. You know, just lucky guess, I guess. And she's like, are you trying to say Kevin's more fun than you? And he's like, no, Kevin's not fun. So he's like, okay, just a few minutes. So uh, Rios is getting examined by this uh, young female uh, Latina doctor because, you know, they end up speaking Spanish to each other, you know, off and on. So then, but then he's like, well, if I can get some supplies, you know, I'll just walk out. And she's like, okay, show me. And he's like, what? She's like, you know, show me that you can walk out of here. He gets up, but he can't really walk because he has a concussion. His hands also dislocated. So she's like, you know, why don't you tell me a story from your childhood? And he starts talking about some stuff. And then and she's like, listen, everything like that. And she like just snaps his hand back and he's like in pain. But, you know, it's, it's fixed now. Then um, he so she like leaves the room for a second or like that. Then he goes to hit, tap his, his communicator thing and he realizes it's gone because that little kid stole it. Rafi and Seven are doing the scan. Seven sees like distant, like fires in the distance and all this stuff and like that. She, and, and she's like, the future is starting now because this is, you know, when things are falling apart. Rios um, finds a stupid kid who found his thing and he's just annoying. It turns out he's a doctor's son. And so it's like, he should even know better. It's like, okay, your mom is running this clinic and if someone drops something, an electronic device, and so you're just going to pick it up because he's like, oh, finders keepers or something like that. 
Picard waits, and then the queen wakes up. Hello, look, look, locutus, look, locutus. How do you, I forget how you say his name? Look, locutus, locutus. Picard notices that she's more lucid, and she's like, "Yeah." So they they arrived before the divergence, so her vision is more clear. He asks about the watcher, and she says that he'll have to offer something in exchange for information, something that will hurt him to lose. So and 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 also she wants legs and. She wants thoughts to drown out the silence. And from him, she wants a ship. So he's just like, what are you, crazy? Rios is uh, ready to leave, so he asks for the badge and then um, blah, 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 all this stuff like that. And then there's like some like siren or flashing lights outside. Immigration shows up. So the doctor like locks the door and is trying to get everyone out the back because since it's a clinic, they she treats anyone. She treats whoever needs it, and she doesn't care about their immigration status. So course they're there to raid the place picard says that you know he's not going to negotiate with the queen the queen gets a little snarky and she, you know she knows that they need her and they'll eventually sacrifice themselves for the good of the many and agnes is like well what exactly do you know and she says that she knows the location of the watcher and when the divergence will occur agnes is like are you sure about that and then the queen's like what did you do and she's like where is it so Agnes apparently stole it. She tells her computer to access some file or whatever that she calls poop I stole from the Borg Queen. And there's a coordinates to where they can find a watcher. The, the Queen's like, what you've done here is more difficult and vastly more dangerous than you realize. You've impressed me. So, hmm. Um, the immigration officers kick open the clinic door. Rios, um, you know, he's with some of the people in the back, and then he he's like looking and seeing like them yelling and stuff like that. So he decides, of course, that he's going to go back and help, despite the fact that they're not supposed to get involved. So he comes into like the front room with like a doctor's coat, and he says that you know the patients have been discharged, but there's a bleeder in the back, so he needs her help. And then one of the dude, of course, because he's so such a great immigration officer, he's so on it. He notices a bandage on his hand. He's like, "That looks new. Like you're a patient." And he's like, "Where's your ID?" And Rios looks at him. He's like, "What are you, my boss or something?" So of course they slam him against the wall. They're both under arrest for obstruction of justice. And um, he, as he's getting like pulled out of there, sees a communicator in the counter, but he can't grab it or anything like that. So there you go. That's what happened. <laughs> you know, it's like, of course, Rios, which you know, he doesn't. I mean, maybe may just a bit. You know, he doesn't look overly Hispanic. You know, maybe he's from Spain. You know, he's a little little lighter skinned. He's not as brown, like not as dark as like I am or whatever. And uh, but it's just like you automatically assume. Okay, here's this dude. I don't. May, maybe because they're immigration officers, they're more more attuned to races, or whatever. So they could look at him and say, "Hey, you're not a white Caucasian." But it's like it doesn't even matter. It's like you know, if they see me, or you know, maybe they would be like, "Hey, where's your ID?" And I'd be like, "What are you talking about?" I, I guess I don't know. Thank goodness I don't have to deal. Well, knock on wood. But anyways, so that's the episode. They're getting in a mess of things. So who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> we'll we'll find out this coming week. All right, now the first movie pro, um, movie project, the first movie feature is going to be X. And uh, so here's like as I mentioned before, I get why they call it X. I think it's a really bad title because it's not super clear what it's about you know is it an x-men related is it malcolm x is it is it straight up pornography you know like what what exactly why is it called x 
So I, I think that that that's a problem. What's interesting when I, I purchase my tickets, I always buy my tickets online so I can pick my seats and get in my little corner and make sure you know there's no one around me. Uh, but when I bought the tickets, you know, it said X and everything, but in the receipt, it said the X project. So I'm wondering if at some point that's what it was would have been called. I even think that is a better. I mean, that that's kind of a weird name, but it's actually it's a little more descript or a little more unique, I guess, because X just seems so generic. It's like, oh yeah, what are you gonna see? I'm gonna see X. Like wh- that that doesn't mean anything. Because again, is it rating? Is, wh- what is it about? X marks a spot. Is it about a bunch of pirates? <laughs> So this is an A24 movie. So if you've seen any A24 man, they are basically if it's an A24 movie, it's it's gonna be a kick butt movie. I mean, it's and it's probably gonna be like freaky, crazy. Um, so you should definitely see anything that A24 puts out, pretty much. <laughs> um, so this movie, it it's uh, so it's direct, written directed by by Ty West. So Ty West has has done. Um, some things in the past, uh, he did VHS and like a bunch of TV stuff, did a couple episodes, I think, of them, that Amazon show, but the, the, the black family moved to Compton in the 50s when it was like all pure whites and full of racist j- jerks, poop holes, bee holes. <laughs> so, um, the, but this is this movie, and I hadn't heard anything about this. It was like totally under my radar. I'm like looking at my list. I was like, okay, is there anything coming out? Or, or I might have been. I, I might have looked on the, my, the theater website to see is there anything popping up on Thursday night? Because that's usually when I go to the movies, go to the, like the Thursday night you know screenings, preview nights, or whatever. And I was like, X, like what the heck is this? And then I looked it up, and I was like, oh wait, what? A24. And then I was like, YouTube's <laughs> looking up Ty West X. I watched the trailer, and it's like A24. What? I totally missed, you know, anything about this, and it's 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 a really good movie. On Rotten Tomatoes right now, I believe it's like at a ninety six percent. It started off; it was at a hundred percent for a while, and then you know, of course, there's some some people who just don't like it or get it or whatever. So ninety six percent. I mean, that that that's pretty good. Just to be clear, you know, the movie is called X, so it has Mia Goth. It has uh, Jenna Ortega, it has Brittany Snow, um, has uh, some other people in her as, as well. But let's just be clear, this um, is rated R. This is not a movie for kids. It is definitely rated R. The movie, I guess I'll just jump into it. I, I, sometimes with the movies, I'm just like all over the place. But anyways, who cares, right? So what is the movie? The movie takes place in 1979 in, in Texas. And... This dude has like this small, he's a small um, porno, pornographic movie producer dude. Him and his girlfriend, uh, who is the actress, uh, Maxine, and uh, played by Mia Goth, they're going to make a movie. They want to make make this movie called The Farmer's Daughter or something like that. And they have their, so it's them two. There's another Britney Snow's character who's she's an actress also this dude which i can't tell if he's her boyfriend he's supposed to be like the big black dude with the big um talent <laughs> and and then there's like the camera dude and the camera dude's like church mouse girlfriend who who's uh jenna ortega who's like helping him with like the the boom mic and stuff like that 
so they're all in his van and they're, they're driving out to this farm because uh the the film producer dude he rented out this like a uh, little cottage this house on a farm and they want to he didn't tell the the farm owner hey we're gonna make a pornographic film on your property he just wanted to rent it out and everything so they they drive out there and again this is like 1979 so like one of the things they talk about like you know it's on the cusp of like videotape you know home movie things and you know he's like you know we're gonna be making a lot of movie and it's like you know people won't just have to watch these movies in theaters you know they can be freaks and you know and the comfort of their home or you know watch whatever they want and everything like that so he's like we're gonna make a lot of money and so they they arrive at the farm and you know so he gets up knocks on the door just you know because he, he talked to him on the phone and um he's like waiting for it then the, the farmer comes out with like a shotgun he's like the old dude he's like i told you people in the city he's like this is my, get off my property he's like i can and he's like i'm not with the county or whatever he's like we spoke on the phone remember and 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 so you know he's not too happy because he didn't realize that there's gonna be so many people renting the place whatever but he's you know he has gonna give him a little bit of extra money just you know for his trouble and they're gonna make this move and he's just like you know don't bother my my wife so you know he's just like you know don't don't bother so they they start filming and this is where again it's an r-rated movie so there are a couple simulated scenes there is going to be some nudity and some uh simulated acts on camera and stuff like that because obviously they're they're filming it and and stuff like that so it you know it's a little weird you know watching this it's like when i'm watching a a, you know the making of a porno in a theater and it's just kind of weird and it just kind of goes from there but then where things get a little freaky so this maxine uh her character like when they first get there she notices like i feel like i'm I'm going i'm just i'm kind of excited about the movie so i feel like I'm, i'm spoiling too much but she notices like someone watching from the window and it's it's the the farmer's wife and there's a, another point later where, where she's filming a scene and the farmer's wife's like sneaking out and she like looks in a window in the place and, and she's like watching the scene. She can see it from the window. And it's just kind of freaky. I, I don't know. I meant to look up. Maybe I will look it up. Holy. Okay. <laughs> I just looked it up because. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is. Oh, I, I shouldn't even address this. I shouldn't say anything about this. It's this is this is kind of like mind-boggling. So, um, so the 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 farmer's wife, you know, as, as you're looking at her, she's kind of creepy and everything like that. And I I I kind of felt bad. It's like I don't want to describe her as a as a creepy old lady. Clearly, not clearly. It's it's kind of kind of obvious that this lady isn't really old that there's like some makeup or something like that. So as I'm watching this, I'm probably like, this is probably like a younger actress that is just in like old woman makeup and, you know, wig or for whatever reason, maybe it's just, they just thought it'd be easier to cast a younger ageism, right? They they cast a younger woman to do this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm going to bite my tongue on, on this. And, and I, so anyways, this, I don't. Where was I going with this? I'm just. I'm kind of like. This makes so much sense now. Oh my god, it makes so much sense with 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 what uh, what they're gonna do next after this. Oh my god. So, anyways, this old lady Pearl is her name. I looked on IMDb. I just at a glance. I was like, why isn't she listed? 
I'm like, I was like, okay, you got, got, you know, the, the, all the main characters. I was like, there's no old lady here. <laughs> oh man. So we're, so Pearl watches this and <laughs> where it's a little weird, she, she kind of gets turned on by this. And at one point she goes to her husband and she's kind of like, Hey, you know, we have it. And he's like, like, dude, my heart is like, I, I, we can't do anything. I'll, I'm going to die. So, so poor lady she just she wants some she wants she did it all for the nookie <laughs> and, and you could take a cookie <laughs> and, and so she's just kind of but then if so if you watch a trailer oh my gosh it's just freaky because in this lady because there's one point she goes in, in someone's bed and and uh i think it was maxine's bed and she gets she like screams like she's in my bed and like that and the other other actress, the other girl, like you know, hears screaming, and like, she gets up and, and and looks out, and you just see this lady like walk down the hall, and it's just so freaky, and and then things just start getting really dark, and and so it is a horror movie, but it, you know, people are gonna get killed. Why? You know, whatever. There's there's reasons for it, but it's just it's kind of freaky. And it's not like a regular horror movie. And even though you know it's gross, brutal, whatever, and some of it's like unexpected. It's like holy crap! You know, it's just you know, you you know, you obviously know there's going to be a body count, or you have a pretty good idea. It's like that's kind of the point. This isn't just a movie about making a, a, a pornographic film. So it kind of like you know catches you off guard a little bit. And uh, oh man, so there there's there's a bit more to the story, and I. Again, my my mind is kind of blown, so I'm just like at a loss of words, sort of. Uh, so you know, because you you hear a little bit more about Pearl, and you know, she I think she said she used to be a dancer, and you know, so she's just she's just bummed. You know, no one wants to get old, and you know, she's seeing all these young kids, and she's like, hey, I want to do some of that, and her husband's like, nope, I can't. So things just get get dark and and messy and. And and there's other like, creepy moments because like like when they they first go to this gas station you know to pick up some stuff and like at the the farmer's house there's like this TV evangelist like on like black and white because it's seventy whatever it doesn't matter but it's like seventy nine so it's like just do like preaching and talking and and not that church stuff is creepy but it's just when it's just like so you know it's just the the voice and just the, con- the way they say it it's just you know, so you got kind of got that going and everything and. Um, so so it's it's a good movie. I really I feel like I've said too much, and I don't want to say anything more. But where I'm kind of bummed because I use this app called After Credits, and if you go there, it will tell you if there's any mid credit or, or after credit scenes. So that way you know not to oh, see. Now it's been updated. Now it says there are after credits because when I look, because usually what it does is. If it's unknown, it'll just have a question mark until it's like someone submits something. But if it's if it's known, it's like X. There's like nothing. But now it says that that there is something. So what is happening? What was the, the after credit scene? It's not really a spoiler. I'm not going to say anything. But basically, there's going to be a prequel to this movie, and I'm not going to say anything about what the prequel is has to do with anything. But it, again, it all kind of fits together, makes sense, and. Um, I, I guess Ty West, he like ended up writing the script for the prequel, like during a quarantine or something like that. And he just like cranked it out. And then, cause it's supposed to come out this year too. So yeah, I don't know what I was saying, but it's, it's a good movie. Uh, they're just also just, 
the whole vibe of the movie, like as you watch this, it it kind of feels like it's 1979. They do a good job, even like the the like the quality of the film or whatever. So even though you know it's it's new and everything like that, there's just this whole vibe. It feels like it's 1979. You know, and just it's it's always it always blows me away when you think about this. You know, they have to make sure like try to get everything that's going to be on camera that nothing, you know, no Starbucks cups on, you know, sitting on the table, you know, that's going to pull you out of it. You know, you got to make sure all the cars are, you know, time, time period and just everything like that. So everything just looks, looks pr- like perfect, you know, and maybe there's something who knows that I might've missed, but from w- me watching it, you know, it just, it just really felt like 1979. And there's some other things which just like some some of the transitions between scenes where it'll be like um, someone in a house and then outside in the field and and then it just kind of goes click 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 and that doesn't it just kind of flips back and forth for like a second and then it it stays on the the next scene so i i don't need i have no idea what you'd even call that type of transition but it's just really kind of cool because it almost it looks like it's a little glitch like it's not supposed to flip over to the next scene but then it does and then it goes back and then it comes back and um and there's this one shot where uh someone i'll just say uh one of the girls goes you know she's they're wandering around on, on a property and they get to this little pier there's big like pond so you know she sticks her feet in there. Oh, and then the creepy lady's like watching. You know, there's someone. You know, she's in the woods, and you know she decides she's gonna go skinny dipping. Okay, yeah, and I don't know if they sh- like there's any gratuitous. Maybe they show her butt or something like that when she goes in. But she's like in in this huge pond, and maybe it's a lake. I don't I don't even know. But you know, one point she's just like enjoy- one. I wouldn't get. It's like is this water? You know, is it slimy water? Are there leeches in there? But maybe it was just hot. I don't know if they told us like when, what time of year this was. But there's a scene where she's just like kind of floating in the water, and the water's like very dark. It's almost like kind of greenish, whatever. And she's just laying there, and there's just like it's amazing shot. And again, sometimes I I just get distracted by this, and it's stuff that you should notice and, and appreciate. It's just like this huge overhead shot where you just see. Like you, you barely you can't see any real detail of the of the person in the water, but then you just see like the tiny little pier there, and you just see all the trees in there, and then all of a sudden, spoiler, there's like an alligator, like it was in the bushes on the other side, like moving towards her. But it's just just really cool. So I I, I debated whether to see this movie because again, when I saw the trailer, I'm like, oh, this is about a pornographic film, and I'm not a I'm I'm not believe it or not, I'm not a prude. I just think that, you know, there's some things and it, it's weird. And I know a lot of people, especially in other countries, you know, this is something that came up in the, the other, the Comic Vine podcast where, you know, they're like, we get hung up on sex and nudity instead of violence. And my thing, you know, what I've said in the past, so I've tried to make it clear, especially, you know, raising my daughter, raising a kid where I felt like I could make it clear to her that the violence isn't real, that, you know, that that's. And, and, you know, when you're looking at, like, superhero violence or whatever, obviously that's not real. But if you're, you know, for young kids, boys or girls or whatever, you know, if, if there's some sort of sexually simulated act, sex is a real thing. Sex is more realistic than superhero violence. You don't want your kids to grow up too soon. And, and yeah, some kids shouldn't see violence because I, I don't think some kids can handle it or whatever. Because, you know, there's a whole, you know, if, if, they, if people talk about kids acting out violent scenes, like going on a playground and playing with guns or trying to hit each other, 
what's going to happen if they see like sex scenes, you know, and then are they going to try to act that out? We the last thing we need is like young kids being sexually active before they're mentally mature enough to handle that. And plus the fact of, you know, whole pregnancies and, you know, STDs or whatever, you know, so that's always been my stance where like, even though my, my daughter is an adult now, I, I'd feel weird watching this movie with her, you know, because of the simulated. Stuff. And again, call me a prude, I guess, if you want. I, I have no problem watching the movie. You know, it is part of the story. Is it 100% necessary? Not really, but it's establishing who these people are and what they're doing. Anyways, it's a really well made film. And A24, I don't know who's in charge, how it works, you know, how they decide. You know, if it's just like, hey, we're going to, yeah, we'll help distribute this movie. Or if you have to go to them and, you know, I don't know how it's, it's just, it's like the stamp of approval, man. It's, it's, it's just quality stuff. And, and all the A24 movies just kind of have that creepy vibe factor. I don't know if they're all like that. Cause there, there's that one everywhere and everything in between or whatever that's, that's coming out. That may not be as creepy. I, I kind of want to see that I think that comes out in April. I think that's the name of it. Um, so yeah, X, horrible name, amazing movie. It, it's it's just, and it it just gave me the heebie-jeebies after, and, and you know it's like I said, it's a horror movie, but it's a little different. So I probably talked more than I had planned on that, but that's that's a movie you should definitely see it if you, if you get a chance. Okay, then the other movie feature, the co-feature, the main whatever you want to call it, is The Adam Project. So this was a Netflix movie. This came out on March 11th, and it stars uh, Ryan Reynolds, uh, Mark Ruffalo, Jennifer Garner, and Zoe Saldana, and uh, other people as well. So what's crazy about this movie is, you know, it was directed by Sean Levy. And as you know, Sean Levy also did Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds, and he's also going to be directing Deadpool 3. So I, that's great. You know, the fact that Deadpool 3 will be the third movie that Sean and, and Ryan have done to get. So, you know, they they got to have, like, some sort of vibe going. So that that's going to be a, a good thing. Um, but the crazy thing is this movie, the budget was $116 million. So it's $116 for a Netflix movie. And, and I just, I don't know how, how it works and how it makes money, but... But man, it's it's uh, it, it's crazy to think about it, and it, it's good that you know they're investing the money and we're getting some quality stuff. So, what is the movie about? Basically, uh, Ryan Reynolds is uh, a time pilot or something like that in 2050, and he ends up going back in time, and it has to do with his his wife's disappearance, and he. He ends up going to the wrong time, and uh, you know he's off by it by a, a couple years, I think, and or a few years, and he he ends up uh, meeting his uh, like twelve year old self. And what's what's interesting about it is uh, basically you know Ryan Ryan Reynolds is Ryan Reynolds, but he's kind of a jerk towards himself as well, you know, and he's you know it's not that he's necessarily just a, a flat-out jerky person but just from what he where he's at in his time you know things aren't aren't all hunky-dory and everything like that so what it, what it starts off you know it's like time travel exists you just don't know it yet so 2050 ryan reynolds he's in this ship and he has like a wound or something like that so he apparently stole this this jet 
and he's getting chased, so he jumps through this wormhole thing. Then we see Adam, so Ryan Reynolds, as a kid. He's getting chased in the hall. It's it's 2022. Um, he gets a bloody nose. He gets hit in the, in the gut by this bully. Jennifer Garner's his mom, and um, she, like, you know, yells at the principal or whatever. So he's going to get suspended because he got hit by another kid. I mean, it, it's just... It, it just seems silly because he's he's getting in, in a lot of fights, but part of it is you know he he's kind of a smart aleck you know he's he's supposed to be Ryan Reynolds as a kid or Ryan Reynolds character and but he's he's getting picked picked on by bullies and he's getting suspended so apparently he's had it tough since he lost his father or whatever so later that night he finds out his mom's going on a date and um, he's he's a little rude to her he's a little tough on on her even though it's just the two of them so you think that. There would be more of a connection, but maybe he's he's just upset and bit, you know his dad's gone and you know not that it's it's her fault or anything like that. So he's you know home alone. She's going out. He's playing this like VR video game, and then the power goes out and his dog starts barking. Dog runs out in the woods. So he goes out after. Then there's like these embers or something um, falling. So he gets a little freaked out. And he goes back home, but then he hears like a crash or something like that in like the garage slash guest house or whatever. He goes in and he finds Ryan Reynolds um, sitting there. He has like blood on, on his hand or something like that. And Adam's like, "What are you doing here?" And it's it's kind of like you know, how do you know how to get there? He's like, so "What are you doing here?" He's like, "Mostly bleeding." Then he's like, "Wait, how old are you?" And he's like, 12. And then Ryan Reynolds like swears. The dog Hawking has his head on Ryan Reynolds' lap. So it's like, okay, the dog would 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 be kind of protective or anything like that. But here's a stranger, and he's obviously because it's his dog so the dog senses it or something like that so then he's like where's your mother and he's like on a date and he's like with who and the adam the kid he's like derek and he's like derek derek he's like i don't think he you know he doesn't matter so then he goes in the house and adam's like why are you here he's like are you a pilot and he sees that he was shot and then uh ryan reynolds calls him adam or something like that and he's like how do you know my name so he tells him his name his birthday his parents name he doesn't play any sports or something like that and then the dog's just like barking and then they both at the same time they're like hawking zip it then adam he's like how do you know my dog's name and he's like because i named him and then adam starts to faint and then because you know he, uh, he knew how to get in his dad's garage the same way he has the same scar on his chin um he knew how to time his, you know, he, he gives him his inhaler, like he tells him to hold it for the count of four, three or so. And he also knew how to close the fridge with his back kick. And he's like wearing his dad's watch, which he's also wearing. So what we find out is he was supposed to land in 2018 and he shows him, they go out in the woods and he shows him his ship. It's like way up, kind of like in a tree's cloaked. So the time ship, like all tech in the future, is coded by DNA, but because he's injured, it won't let him in the ship or it won't let him fly it or, or like won't let him get it to fix itself. So that's where little Adam comes in. And so he hits like this key fob things, whatever like that, and the ship kind of reveals itself. And it's, you know, it, it senses little Adam's DNA. So this platform comes out and they go up into the ship and then uh, Ryan Reynolds is like, you know, he can't turn the ship on or they might detect the ship. Um, but it'll, it'll start fixing itself. And then Adam's like, do you remember all this? Because, you know, he's, he's asking, he's like, do you remember coming and seeing yourself or whatever like that? And Ryan Reynolds, he's, he's like, well, you know, when I return to my proper time, you know, you'll probably forget all this. You know, time will fix itself or whatever. So then uh, Jennifer Garner comes home and 
Adam's just kind of like a jerk to her, and then Ryan Reynolds is kind of annoyed with him, and um, you know, because then he's talking to him later. So then the little kid Adam, he knows he's like, you're you're kind of ripped, whatever. So they end up later going to a drugstore because Ryan Reynolds needs something to help him with his wound, and then the bully's there and stuff like that, and and you know he. Ryan Reynolds tells him to stand up to him. It goes on from there. Um, Ryan Reynolds ends up going off to a bar, and then he kind of talks to the mom there, and, and he's like, you know, little boys can be jerks and blah, 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 stuff like that. But then this other ship arrives. There's this lady in charge, plus, like, like this army of soldiers. So they're ordered to find Ryan Reynolds. And it, it seems like they do not care who else is hurt or what's destroyed. So it's like, is any of this stuff going to get fixed? Is is it a matter of once Ryan Reynolds go back, goes back to the, his time, is everything going to fix itself or whatever? So it's just, it's crazy. So then they end up going back to um, 2018 because basically Ryan Reynolds is like, we have to stop time traveling from getting in, invented. And, you know, so then they have to go and talk to Mark Ruffalo, who plays his dad, and you know, because he was involved with the, the time travel creation and stuff like that. So uh, I mean, basically, with with the movie, you know, I love Ryan Reynolds. You know, he's always hilarious. I mean, I'm a huge fan. I mean, I will watch anything Ryan Reynolds does. The the kid's pretty good. You know, playing younger Ryan Reynolds. You know, he's they they do a lot of things in sync. So you know, they have to have like the same nuances or whatever like that. And it's it's I always find this kind of funny when you think about this movie. It's like we have Deadpool, we have Gamora, we have Bruce Banner and Elektra all in the same movie. You know, everyone's do does superhero movies at one point or another. It seems like um, as far as the movie itself, the the future tech stuff and the weapons, you know, they're kind of cool because like Ryan Reynolds has this thing like his younger self calls it a lightsaber, but it's it's it is, but it's kind of not. And um, but but the, just a, the fact that they have like such a blatant disregard for the safety or innocence or even being seen by by it's it, or it's just seen it was a little distracting for me. I'm like, okay, if you're time pilots or whatever, shouldn't there be like this huge like like rule that if you are going to go into first of all, why? why what do they do with time? Like what what is their the whole purpose of this? You know, and that the fact that they have these jets that will go through time that are encoded to the pilots. I don't. I mean, maybe there's just like more to the story to be told. Like maybe if they do a sequel or you know sequel in the future, but it's like, wh- what is the point of all this? So it's like, okay, yeah, maybe someone invents time travel, but it's like, what what are you using this for? And the fact that it could be used to just easily for personal gain or whatever that kind of seems to be a problem. So it was. It just seemed a little weird, and maybe that's just like uh, let's just not worry about that. You know, we just need this for the sake of the story or something like that. But it was, it was kind of distracting to me. But then, so while the kid was really good in, in the movie, it almost felt like the movie was geared a little towards a, like a younger audience. So it's just kind of like, like, hey, kids, there's this kid in this movie, so you can watch this and you can kind of relate to the kid, and your parents relate to the adults, and blah blah blah. But I think maybe that's kind of a good thing because it kind of sets it apart from all like just a regular random generic sci-fi movie. You know, if it was just like all adults, you know, having the the kid factor in there kind of, you know, I don't know. So I, I enjoyed the movie overall. I, I can't say I absolutely loved it, but if it was, you know, if, if Ryan Reynolds wasn't in it, I, I probably wouldn't 
like it as much. You know, Jennifer Garner's great. You know, she, for the role that she had, you know, it wasn't a huge role. She was good. Zoe Saldana, she, you know, she, again, she didn't have a super huge role. She was good. Um, Mark Ruffalo and Ryan Reynolds, you know, their interaction with each other, there's some some funny moments as, as well. But obviously, you know, Ryan Reynolds is the main part of the movie, you know, him and the kid. So if it wasn't Ryan Reynolds, I it would just, I don't even know if I'd want to watch it. You know, that that's a draw for me at least. So it's worth checking out. You know, it is just interesting to see, you know, because we've how many sci-fi time travel movies have we seen? So it's always interesting to see what someone else is going to do with it. You know, are they going to add anything to it or what are they going to borrow from other, you know, whatever? So it, I, I enjoyed it. So check that out. It's on Netflix, The Adam Project. And um, I, yeah, I, I don't think there's any reason, for, you know, for them to do anything else. You know, it's just, I, I and I, I kind of like that. Like, let's just make a movie. Let's not like focus on like, oh, can we make a franchise out of this? It's like, no, just, just do the movie, tell your story. It's done. I was like, okay. Um, but apparently, um, I'm just looking at this now. So the, it was written, there's a spec script written by T.S. Nolan was initially announced as Our Name is Adam in October 2012 and Paramount Pictures became interested in acquiring the film and Tom Cruise was attached to star. Tom Cruise is, is fine and all, but I don't think it would have been quite the same. Because Ryan Reynolds, you know, again, he's got the, the humor. He can be friggin' hilarious. But he is ripped, you know, so he can do action and fighting as well. So uh, that, that was good. So check that out, The Adam Project. But with that, that is going to be the end of another episode. So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Currently talking about Superman series from John Byrne from 1987. So you can find out what happened. What um, a spoiler, what, what's going to happen this week is we're going to uh, get the blood, blood, blood sport, bloodshot, blood sport. And I don't remember uh, bloodshot. I think it's bloodshot, right? Yeah. So anyways, it's, it's going to be some Jimmy Olsen and Lex Luthor and Lois Lane. Lucy Lane's going to be in it too. So you can check that out. More podcast entertainment if you want to re revisit classic era and comics. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck. And you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or six. And that is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. Okay, what's going to happen next week? Um, the movie feature is going to most likely be The Lost City. So that's uh, Sandra Bullock and, um, and Channing Tatum. <laughs> I was like, wait, who's in this movie? I believe Brad Pitt and I think Daniel Radcliffe is also in it. So I don't really know. I actually, I don't, I don't even think I've seen a, a trailer for this. I know nothing about this movie. I'm just like, okay, you got all these actors in there. I think it's a comedy um, in Lost City. So I, I don't, some sort of adventure comedy movie. I have no idea. Um, I vaguely, I can kind of sort of picture the poster. And I, I don't, but I don't remember specific. Like, I don't even know what's on there. So I think that's going to be a movie feature. Um, as far as as what else there there's gonna be that uh what was that movie? 
I think it was a uh, Deep Water, the Ben Affleck and um Anna. She's I'm I'm I am man I'm I'm just so prepared right. It's 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 been a long 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 show as always. So I might talk about that. We'll we'll see. Um, I I heard that it wasn't so great. So maybe I'll be the judge of that, or we'll see. And I don't know. There's also a, um we was it we crash. And Apple TV. I don't know if I'll get a chance to watch that and if I want to talk about that or not. Uh, and then, you know, the other shows that are, you know, regular shows will have more Picard, more Severance. I think there's one more uh, Servant, The Flash. I think Superman and Lois is back. And then there'll be some like Snowpiercer. So there's like a lot to talk about. So, you know, I don't want to be adding too much to it. So on that note, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. You are awesome. I totally appreciate you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And, you know, thank you for your support. Um, and just, you know, thank you for, for downloading, listening. Um, I hope you are doing well. You know, just always make sure to take care of yourself. Try to find something fun to do. But make sure you remember to be good to each other. 